Let's do the damn thing. Oh, you know what time it is. It's time to take it to the burn land. It's about to go down. Hope you're ready. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Come and roll with me to the burn land. Friends got to giving you the word, man. Any other BS is absurd, man. Sports talk and they give it to you firsthand. They can talk turps, they can talk O's. Yeah, they both lit. That's how it goes. Baltimore squad, Ravens and Poe. Better tune in. Here gonna show. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. What's up, all that BS, baby? What's up, BSers? What's up, peeps? Fred Scott, Ryan, James, and Drew. Drew is back from playing with Mickey Mouse down at Disney. <laughs> Just sounds wrong. That sounds perverted. That did sound a little wrong. <laughs> they don't let you get within six feet of Mickey Mouse anymore. <laughs> good to have you back. In, and reality, you guys... in reality, it's goofy. But <laughs> <laughs> hope you guys had a good time down there, you and the family and everything. Uh, we got a lot to talk about on this week's show. The Ravens hold their annual pre-draft press conference, and we're going to play a little game of Factor Cat trying to figure it out. What's real? What's bullshit? <laughs> Hashtag liar's lunch. Exactly. The Orioles sit two games below 500 after 16 games. Uh, are they what we expected? We'll get into that. I think, I think there's, there's some, some upside, some downside. Right. Terps hit the football field this weekend, and Fred and Ryan are set to be there. You know, that'd be me. I'm talking about me in the third person. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get in he that stadium. They so rudely locked me out of for so long. That's right. And uh, some breaking news a couple hours prior to the show uh, with the Terps. Certain, yeah, player com- certain player coming in, certain player going. So we're yeah. going to talk a little bit about that, too. It was a quiet week, but then all of a sudden it was a real busy day. <laughs> right. And in this week's rundown, we're talking journeyman, retirements, A-Rod, Saban, and a new hockey record. It's a lot. It's a whole lot of shit going on in the world of sports right now. Uh, but before we do too much, we do want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident and weren't sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH. The Maryland personal injury attorneys that will have your back. If you find yourself in an unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team at MD-CRASH a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, pain and suffering, and all can add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial place. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, save this number now, 855-MD-CRASH. It's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways, including tickets to some potential Oreo games. All right, Scott, it's time for some flock talk. Yeah. As we uh, a little over a week away now. From draft day. We are almost there. Yeah, I guess nine days at this point away, which for you fans out there, we just decided literally a uh, half hour before we went live. Next week's How show. We do things around here. Yeah. <laughs> next week's show, we are moving to draft night. We are moving it to Thursday night, so we're going to live broadcast the draft-ish. If you've followed us for the past couple of years, we've kind of done this, you know, draft day special sometimes we do it with the big play guys sometimes we've done it with our youtube uh buddies this year we're just going to do it on our own uh for day one of the draft show you you know what we can get away with without being kicked off of social media (laughs) uh give our take on how the draft kind of shakes out it's gonna be a lot of fun so make sure you tune in 
Tune on your phone, have the game, you know, the draft on on the TV, comment. If we're going to have the phone open, so if you want to call in and talk about what you guys think the Ravens are going to do, we'll have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. All, all four of us are going to do one cam shot, all five of us over here, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, Ryan won't have to man the producer cam over there, so <laughs> he doesn't he didn't have to worry about that. We'll just do everything over here, uh, but it'll, it'll definitely be fun for sure. And make sure you guys, you know, every week we kind of say it. Craig, I did get your question this week. It's coming up. It is in our, in our Ravens segment here. If you guys have topics that you see throughout the week uh, you get into conversations on twitter facebook wherever uh make sure you send those over to us uh whether it's through messenger whether it's through uh tweeting us or tagging us in the tweet whatever it may be uh just you, make sure you do it to birdland bs and that's how we know you're talking about the show and right. that you want to use it on the show uh use the hashtag that's blbs too that's another way to actually get our attention and we'll bring it up on the show we are always Always, everybody in this room is always looking for topics to bring up on this show. So you make our jobs easier if you give for us sure. topics. <laughs> Definitely. Shout out to Steven Seavers, man. Birdland BS is in the house down in Miami. He's down there yeah, at the man. O's game in Miami. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, I saw that uh, Anthony Santander had to be helped off the field. Apparently, he rolled his ankle. This happened like a couple yeah, minutes before nasty. we went live. It looked, yeah, it looked kind of rough. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. So with the Ravens. Um, one of the things that I saw today made me feel a little old, like I do pretty much every day in my life, right? Uh, on this day, 25 years ago to the day, Ozzie Newsom solidified, in my opinion, his place in Canton as a GM. Forget his whole, you know, stance as a player. Solidified his place in Canton as a GM when he drafted two Hall of Famers with his first two picks in Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis. Yeah, I mean you can't forget those guys. I mean the the the, the shirt that Ray had on back in the day. Yeah, you know standing there with his mama. I think we had it on earlier. Uh, put the Ravens back up there. Uh, but you know that that shirt, and then obviously Jo, one of the greatest offensive linemen to ever play the game. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Jonathan Ogden was uh, you remember back in the day it was between him and Tony Baselli. Baselli was the the left tackle for the Jaguars back then. They were always talked about as the best two left tackles in the league during their entire tenure there. I think Baselli retired a little earlier than Jonathan Ogden did. Uh, but was just as dominant at the end of his career as he was in the beginning of his career. Ray Lewis, obviously, you don't need to say a whole lot about Ray Lewis other than his name. I mean, he was no. Everything that this Ravens franchise has been built around for, you know, the last two decades. We're just now starting to see that the tide turn with this new image and you got the new GM in there with Eric DaCosta and obviously the new leader in Lamar Jackson. Things are starting to change. Uh, but these are two icons that, uh, man, for for not Ozzie Newsome to knock it out the park the way he did in his first draft as Ravens GM. Pretty fucking impressive. There's not, I don't think there's too many other GMs out there that can have that on their resume. That in one draft with the first two picks, they picked Hall of Famers. Yeah. I Nobody think, comes to mind. And, and it just comes, it just goes to show you the organization too, right? Because obviously he's, he's consistently drafted pretty well. Um, and I think the Ravens, uh, was it late last week or mid last week? They were announced as, as having these, I think it was the seventh uh, best draft. Into like over across a ten year period, right, right. So just to have that honor and be up there and considered the high one, you know, one of the highest. Um, I heard somebody else that said that they thought that they were they were higher than that, but the official thing that I saw was seventh. Um, so I don't know if that changed. And I think I in the press conference I heard somebody say that they were the best, and I. Uh, I don't I've know seen that, so but. much bullshit rankings out there when it comes to GM. I was telling Ryan the other day, I saw something about Eric DaCosta being ranked like the 17th 
ranked GM in the last, like, I guess, I think the, the, the span that they were looking at was basically since he took over. So the last, what, two seasons that he's been the full-time GM, this being his third, right? Because yeah, the Lamar draft was still Ozzy's draft. That was Ozzy's draft. That right. was his bow out, which is a pretty damn good bow out when you draft a guy like <laughs> Lamar Jackson uh, in your draft, you know, your franchise quarterback to you know, start your career with two Hall of Famers and end it with a potential As franchise potential, quarterback. Yeah. It's pretty damn good. Uh, but speaking of the draft, the, the Ravens did have their annual pre-draft press conference. What's it called again? <laughs> Liars Luncheon. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, more like <laughs> it. John Harbaugh, Eric DaCosta, and Joe Hortiz were there uh, to answer questions. <laughs> you know, you, some of them you get the, the politically correct answer, the blow-off. Some of them you get just total BS. Some of, some of them is straight. And he admitted that's the best part about it is like they admitted to bringing guys in that like they really have no interest in, but they bring them in just to get them on the radar to throw people off the scent. And I get it. I mean, right now, this is the time where you're just trying to keep everything as close to the vest as you possibly can. Yeah. You do not want to tip your hand one way or the other when you're walking to the draft room at all. You don't want any teams to have any idea what you're doing. And actually, I, I thought DaCosta made a great point was that when he talked about drafting Lamar Jackson, he talked about Lamar not having representation, not having an agent, right? And he said that that was the easiest way for him because he didn't have an agent when he, to keep their connection to Lamar Jackson a secret. Yeah, I think he said when agents get involved, shit gets out. Basically, I mean, one hundred percent. Not not that not that terminology, but basically that's what he said. When agents get involved, shit gets out. Exactly. And uh, yeah, so the Ravens are going to do everything that they can to protect themselves. Uh, but there, there was a lot to digest, to say the least, in this press conference. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a few things to kind of look at. Obviously, one of the big things was he wants to look and, and say, for them, they have 200 players on their board. Yeah. Right, that they're looking at. It's a pretty impressive number. That's a, it's a big number to be looking at. Um I think last season, you were the one that called out, I think last season was like 170 or something yes. like that. Yeah, exactly. So they had 170 draftable players by their grade. Uh, so for them to say they have over 200 players draftable in this draft goes to speak to the depth. Now, that's total draftable players. That's not necessarily draftable players to their needs, but have the Ravens ever really drafted to need? No. it's. I mean, historically, it's always been best player available. So and to that point, I think that's where, like, I was actually surprised to hear this, but, I, I, like, at the same time, I'm like, thank God I'm finally hearing somebody say it. Because he said it's really not a whole, like it, it's skill because you got to rank guys and rank them in the way that you want them. But there's a lot of freaking luck involved in this. And to quote <laughs> him specifically, he said a luck. It, the draft is a luck driven process. If you have more put more picks, you're going to hit on more good players. And that's exactly right. And I mean, that's that is the Ravens MO historically is yeah. that they'll move around in the draft to stockpile picks because he's right. It, it's. It in a lot of ways, it is a form of gambling, right? Because mm -hmm. you're only going off of what your scouts say. You're only going off of what you see on tape. You're only going off of what you see at the combine. And all those things are helpful, but there's never a guarantee as to how their game is going to translate from the collegiate game to the NFL. It, it's kind of like you said, it's gambling. The more money you put in, the higher likelihood you get a larger return. If you're going to put in little bits at a time, 
you're going to get smaller bits and less likely to hit anything big. Not me. I don't care how much money I put in, little or big. I always fucking lose well, my ass. Well, that's because you don't know when to walk away, buddy. <laughs> Brian is, and I experienced that. that you were you were true. up with us and then didn't walk away. <laughs> I put another 300 bucks in a doge last night. That fucked me. So. <laughs> uh, I tried to tell you no. I know. I know. <laughs> I was up enough last and went to the casino to cover all of us. Though. <laughs> there we go. That's right. But no, like... It, it's just the fact that that's the case. And, and he really, he kind of went all in with one of the things that he was saying um, about how many draft picks. Yeah. So obviously the question is this year, the, the Ravens don't have a ton of draft picks right now in comparison to some years in the past. Right. Uh, and we kind of talked about this last week on the show and Cole Jackson, again, shout out to Cole for being on the show last week, made a yeah. good point. Like this isn't a year for the Ravens to stockpile a ton of picks because there's really not a ton of roster spots available, right? So in a year where the Ravens might try to trade back and gain a couple of picks and pick 11 or 12 players in the draft, more than likely you're not going to see that this year. That is typically their MO, but I don't see the Ravens. I'm not saying they're not going to trade back. Because I do believe the Ravens will trade back, especially in that first round, if one of their top two or three players that they have an eye on are gone at that point and they see more value in trading back, they may do so and then take those picks that they garner to move up in later rounds as well. So it'll help them, but it's not to just say, okay, I'm trading back to get two extra picks to now take 11 players in this draft. I just don't see them doing that. So, you know, I kind of alluded to this before where I think – I think if we're going to trade Orlando Brown, it's coming after the draft, right? Because then you can stockpile for next year's draft and get get some value for next year and beyond. What I think this year, what are the Ravens one of the kings at doing other than piling up draft picks? Dumpster diving? The undrafted free agency. Yeah. Uh, right? Historically, they've always found at yeah. least one. They talked. They, they talked about some of this. It was questioned. You know, how do you evaluate some of these guys that literally haven't played in over four hundred days? Right. Right. So, it, it it starts to become a question mark. And now I'm starting to say, okay, how many of these guys are they watching? Going keep falling to the undrafted. Keep falling to be undrafted because everybody else has got their guys on guys that played more last year and guys that didn't opt out. Right. Right. Um, or they they're they're focusing on the guys that were doing well before the opt out, and they're saying, "All right, we're still going to stick with that guy because he's the best guy there." Right. But is he when he didn't play last year? Right. So th- I think you're going to see them pick up a bunch of guys in the in on the undrafted side of things, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them sign more undrafted players and keep them on the starting roster than they do draft picks this year. Mm, that's stretch to keep them on the, yeah, that's a stretch. What are you going to give away to get more draft picks this year? You don't have a whole lot. No, like, and there's a lot that can still happen <laughs> prior yeah. to the draft. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, as far as draft picks go, drew, I kind of want to see where your head's at with this thing. I mean, do you think the Ravens stay at 27 or do you see them trading back to gain picks or move around? It's, I tend to think a lot of times when we end this back half of this draft, and you, you, they have a couple different needs. I, I tend to normally always say, now they're trading out. Right. Maybe not out, but back to 29, 30, 32, you know, something like that. But how many times have we seen, like, you're, especially now with the one night draft, the, you know, the first rounds in one night? Right. I you're hate like, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stay up. They got picked 27. Oh, fuck. It's 11 o'clock. 
all right, just don't trade out. And then you go, oh, they're traded with the Jets, and they now have the 33rd pick. It's like, oh, why, why do I waste my time with this draft for? <laughs> yeah, it used to be completely fine because you would get to see two second-round picks in the first like, day, but now right. nothing. You're just like, all right, 5 o'clock, they'll make a pick. No big deal. Yeah, right. But uh, I, I, so I think every year almost I'm almost like, like in driver's mode, we're like, yeah, they're going to do that anyway. I, right. I mean, you know me. I've said it enough. I don't need to say it anymore about Marshall. Like, that's my pick. But, I mean, to me, this is one year where, like, I don't think I would mind them dra- dropping out yeah. because I still think you could get, like, Marshall. Uh, there's still players I could see them getting in the early 30s if that was the case. I don't want to see them dropping back to, like, 45 and or nothing like that because then i'm like what are you really getting then it's still it's even more of a crapshoot right james i i kind of want your take on this too like so drew you bring up marshall uh talk about bateman right there's two of the the wide receivers i guess that have been most projected to us but the 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 thing with those are you've getting inconsistent reports. Some people are saying that those two guys could pri- potentially go before us at 27. You have some people who say that they could go potentially after us at 27. So what do you want to see out of the Ravens? Do you want to see them stay pat at 27, move back, move I, up? Since they uh, drafted Lamar, I think they're going to draft on day one. Okay. And and we, I wouldn't be surprised if we actually move up. Really? Yeah, like I think uh, – Eric's going to try something different than Ozzy has done in the past, and you never, you never know. This could be the the year that they do it. When Lamar was drafted, we traded back in. True, that's very true. I think a lot of that was one, obviously, to make sure you guarantee Lamar, but it was also to guarantee that fifth year, that yeah. fifth year of that yeah. rookie contract for a quarterback. And now it's it's paying off now because 100%. I don't think they're going to get a deal done before camp, anyways. Well, so that brings up the next point, right? In this whole press conference conversation was. DeCosta was asked about the Lamar Jackson contract situation. He said that he has had discussion with Lamar's about the extension, said it's a fluid process, but noted that Jackson's a patient person. I'm confident that we'll continue to discuss this, and at some point, hopefully, we'll have some good news for everybody. (laughs) To me, that sounds pretty optimistic. Is that cap or bullshit? Do you think that that happened? I mean, do you think, is that fact or bullshit? I mean, I think it's fact, right? I think Lamar... Fact in that they get that done this year? Depending on what they do in the draft, okay. I think Lamar's Lamar is not going to sign a contract before the draft period. Uh, it's not going to happen because he wants to look and see what are you going to what are you doing to help me. I agree. Right? With that. If they go get an offensive tackle in the first round, knowing that that OBJ this year or next year is out the door, right. period. He wants to see how much are you going to protect me, how much are you going to help my line, how much are you going to help me with wide receivers, right? How are you going to sure me up? So that you ensure my future is is at the forefront. That's what he's he's a smart kid. He's not dumb by any means. I if he were signing a contract and they signed that contract, I honestly would turn around and be like, uh, are you seeing the same thing that everybody else here is seeing? Right. You have no idea what's coming at right tackle right now. <laughs> yeah. No idea. You don't know if it you technically don't know what's coming out on either side. You're hoping Ronnie Stanley comes back ready to go. Right. Everything is saying he's supposed to. Yep. Nobody's seen him play yet. It's exactly true. So it's it's a lot it's a lot of question marks. I, I don't think it makes sense. James. I I think uh, Eric and Lamar they're talking like, "Hey, we're going to get a deal done." But what happened last year, it's a fluke. We don't know what the salary cap is, but let's start talking what you're thinking your numbers is and say, "Hey, when we see how the season's going, what we think the cap would be towards the end of the season, 
I think they'll get a deal done by saying this is what the number's going to be, this is what's going to be best for us to work out the numbers to be in the right spot and have the everybody happy both both uh, times. Yeah, no, I mean, 100% I can see it happening. I, I Listen. Eric wants so to get it done. I, I think you'd be naive to think that the Ravens aren't going to try to be super aggressive to sign Lamar. Does that happen prior to this draft? I don't think so either. Do I think it happens potentially prior to the season starting? I do. Because, like you said, I think he'll have a better idea of what's going to be around him for the next few years, protection-wise and weapon-wise. And that's going to give him – because Lamar's not an idiot. He knows he's going to get paid, whether it's by the Ravens or he goes out and get hits free agency. Somebody's going to pay him a shit ton of money. He he wants – he wants – like, you have to think about this from his perspective. He wants to wait to see what happens in the draft. But he wants to get a deal done before the season starts. Because once the season starts – you increase the likelihood that something could happen, right? And it, he's he's being a realist, right? He, you have to be a realist in that situation. I want to lock up a deal if I'm a player before the season starts because anything that can, happens in the season, even week one, can start affecting that contract. So our buddy Samuel Jackson brings up a great point. Thanks for bringing this up, Ryan. For the Ravens' best interest, they need to sign Lamar before the Bills sign Allen. And that's and, straight from Lamar's daddy. So, I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's 100% right, right? We already talked about what Mahomes' contract did to the market. Then you follow that up with Dak's contract and what that did to the market, right? Mm-hmm. If Josh Allen... I mean, there's nobody that's comparable to Lamar Jackson, right? But what... Josh Allen brings as far as that multi-threat, you know, he's got the ability to throw the he's ball. He's the closest. He's got the ability to run the ball, right. Uh, he is going to set the market. One of these guys is going to set the market, and I think it would make sense. It's more more advantageous for the Ravens to get that deal done, so it's a great point. Go okay. ahead, James. Real quick, talk about Josh Allen. I, I, I keep up the sports track um, on my um, my computer, and they're projected his contract could be – a six years total, but four years, one hundred sixty-eight million average salary, forty-two million signing bonus, twenty-five million yep. guarantees, seventy-eight uh, practical guarantees is one hundred fifteen total in a six years, one hundred ninety-four million. Yeah, so that's so, right where I expected it to be that forty to forty-five million dollar range. But to Stephen's point. If Allen signs first and he and the Bills if he signs in forty two, Lamar's getting forty five. How yeah. long have the Bills been looking for a franchise quarterback? Since fucking Jim Kelly. That's been a long <laughs> time a now, right? Like so they're going to pay. They don't want Josh Allen no. to go anywhere. They're gonna pay a good penny for Josh Allen, and you don't want that to negatively affect Lamar because you're already going to be handicapped with how much money you're gonna be able to spend because of his contract, right? You don't want anything else to drive that up. Dax was high. So they're yeah. looking at Deshaun Watson. He signed a four years, one hundred fifty-six million extension with seventy-three million guaranteed. So I, I think it's going to be like you said. We better. We hope we get it signed Lamar first, then Josh Allen, because even though Josh Allen is a great quarterback, Lamar has a higher ceiling. I think so. It's going to end up being more money. Oh yeah, ten out of ten times I'm taking yeah. Lamar over Josh Jack or Josh Allen. A hundred percent, I agree with that. But again. To the market, Josh Allen is going to get paid in that top five market. Yeah, you were right the first time too. Over Josh Jackson, seven days a week. (laughs) (laughs) Over Josh Jackson, fourteen days a week. Uh, No, so the other thing that kind of came out of this uh, was Harbaugh and DaCosta being asked uh, about the and Horitz all being asked about the whole wide receiver situation. Right. That that was a, a 
pain point for fans and apparently for the front office. Yeah, so this was inevitable. You knew this question was going to come up, right? Because it's everything that everybody talks about on social media from a fan's perspective. And rightfully so, you know, people have been frustrated with the passing game as a whole uh, and with the wide receiver core as a whole. I think think the Ravens, and just put this out there, all sports teams need to start stop looking at fans as fans and start looking at them in, as investors. Right. Because that's especially your season ticket holders, that's what they are. Yeah. Well, DaCosta he didn't blow this question off. He actually had a pretty surprising response and I want to get your guys takes. Take a listen to this. One of the questions I get from fans all the time is for the wide receiver position, why has you've been able to draft pro bowl players at every single position? What is it about the wide receiver position that you have not been able to do so? And is that is that something you even guys even think about? I mean, you know, do we think about it? I mean, I guess we think about it, but it, we want to win games, you know? I mean, that's really what I think about more often is can we? why do we lose the game or why do we win the game? So we want to have good players at every position, you know? I'm aware that there's some fan discontent with our wide receivers and our drafting and all that. I mean... But in, in general, I look at our record and how we win games and how we play football, and I'm proud of the team. I know Coach is proud. I know Joe is proud. So we've got some really good young receivers. It's insulting to these guys when they hear that we don't have any receivers. It's quite insulting. I'm insulted by it, too, to be honest. So I think we've got some guys that want to show everybody what they can do. We love our team. We love our roster. We've got a lot of really good young football players who care very badly about it. So I can't answer the question about pro bowlers and all that. I mean, if, if, if pro bowlers get voted pro bowlers, they're pro bowlers. But I think we've had a lot of good receivers here over the years that have won big games for us. And uh, I know this. I think Lamar likes our receivers. You know, I think our coaches like our receivers. I think the teammates, the guys in this team like our receivers. And uh, that's my answer to that question. So to me, just instant reaction was, well, damn, that's that's pretty defensive. Like, you know, usually these guys don't take offense to what fans say or what the critics say, right? They they tell players all the time, don't listen to the media, don't listen right. to the fans, don't listen to the, the negativity, right? Well, these guys are obviously listening to that because if he takes it offensive and he, you know, he's a little sensitive to it because – and when, when you compare it to other positions, right, he's been candid about the offensive line needing to improve. Why yeah. isn't he defensive of the offensive line? He's defensive when it comes to the receivers. So I thought it was kind of interesting, and I wanted to get your take on it. So, look, nobody is saying we don't like our wide receivers. I think that's where the the misunderstanding, or maybe that's why he's getting defensive. Boykin I don't like, right? That's one I don't like. <laughs> the rest of the wide receiving core I'm okay with. Right, I'm okay, but none of them are superstars right now. And you can sit here and you can say, this is one thing, I, it's a pain point and I'll, I'll stick on it. You can say, these guys want to prove something. They have, they're young and they have something to prove. You're, you're 100% right, Eric. Then give them the fucking chance. Play a scheme that gives them the chance to do so. Put Duvernay out there and Prochet out there. Give them the chance. But you, we didn't see that last year. So that's why the fans are, you getting got these guys. You were so high on Duvernay. Mm-hmm. And he got such minimal snaps last year that we don't know what he can truly do. Again, he was a rookie. I'll, it, it, it's usually first-round picks that are immediate impact starter kind of guys in their rookie year. So 
I understand our frustration because we we see the potential in these guys. Talking about Duvernay right. and Prochet, and we want to see them feel to see the field. But I think it's a little unrealistic of fans to think that they would have had this amazing impact year one. No, but you can't know what you have if you're not testing them out. I agree with that. I agree with that. They did use them, you know, some. They also had a veteran in Willie Sneed. Let's not, you know, get it twisted. Duvernay was drafted to eventually replace Willie Sneed, and now we're here. This is the year for that to happen now that Willie right. Sneed has moved on. Uh, so you got to give these guys time, right? And and it's the thing that, like, frustrates me with some fans. I'm frustrated with the offense, the production of the passing game specifically, right? Right. No team is perfect. Every team is going to have holes. That's the whole purpose of a salary cap is that teams can't build these mega teams like they do in baseball, right? Football, it's all about drafting smart, budgeting smart, and 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 paying these guys without overpaying, right? But you're still going to have holes on the field and right now we have some holes at wide receiver. Yes. And I do think that the Ravens need to address that. So that's that's kind of where I was on both ends of this whole thing. You know what I mean? Like I didn't like that he was defensive about it because that just goes to show that maybe you don't have as much confidence in him as as you know you well, might want to be. But then why why did you need to go feel the need to go out and give Juju an offer? That's Why exactly did you right. feel the need to go out and give Sammy an offer? So to that point, I think Dan Orlovsky on ESPN saw this, yeah. said it best. Listen to Orlovsky's comments because I think he summed this up. And then we're going to go to the, guy, the couch and, and run. Uh, they're wrong. I mean, respectfully, you're wrong. You're a great organization. But uh, the tape says otherwise. In the last two years, your receivers are bottom of the NFL when it comes to catches and yards. That's with your quarterback winning MVP one of those seasons. Okay, so the tape is what the tape is. None of us are saying that the Ravens receivers are bums. We're just saying that they need to make an upgrade. Also, DaCosta, again, respectfully, you offered Juju Smith-Schuster like $12 million. So you have sent some of the same sentiments as us, is that you need to upgrade the wide receiver position. And the last thing I would say is this. It's probably one of the more favorable matchups receivers get in the NFL as well because everybody defensively is focused on stopping the run. So you have more bodies down near the line of scrimmage, less coverage kind of body-wise for those receivers. It's so often one-on-one. You don't have to go beat double teams like some of the really good receivers in the NFL do. So at the end of the day, the tape is what the tape is. The receivers are good. They're not good enough. I think he summed it up perfectly. <laughs> it, it, he went right to the point that I was bringing out, bringing out. Right? If you didn't think they were, if you thought they were that good, you contradicted by yourself. But again, this is called a liar's luncheon for a reason. Yeah. So this could be a, a tactic to throw off the scent and maybe looking to have a Marshall or a Bateman fall even further and being able to maybe trade back and say, "All right, these guys are going to fall out of the first round." Could we see both these guys fall into the second and trade out and grab the one that we want? Maybe. I don't know. But that's why it's called the Liars Luncheon because I don't necessarily, yes, do I, did my initial gut instinct, like exactly like Dan Orlovsky trying to call his bluff and be like, really, dude? Like, come on. Right. What are you looking at? We're all seeing the same thing here. And your actions are saying different. But it could very well be a tactic. Well, they were asked about the draft coming up and 
some of the wide receivers that were in the draft. And DaCosta said there are a bunch of wide receivers within the first three rounds that could come in and make an impact immediately. So they are obviously looking at this, right? So they're not completely yeah. confident that the wide receiver core that they have right now is going to is who they're going to go into week one with. Uh, Hortiz was asked specifically about Bateman and Marshall. Said both talented guys who have some versatility, a little different in what they do best, but certainly two guys who we have our eye on. So it's not just us that feel confident about Bateman and Marshall. Obviously, these guys do too. You feel that they're on the board, right? But right. If, if somebody that they were projecting is going in the top 10 is on their board and that guy some, somehow falls back, they're going to look to see, do we want this guy? Is he worth it? Why is he falling? And then we'll go from there, right? That's why it's so unpredictable in everything that's happening. Well, in relation to this whole uh, discussion, uh, Craig Zero, fan yeah. of the show on Twitter, brought up this point. He said, Eric said that us fans saying we don't have wide receiver is an insult to them and the team. I say he doesn't see that our system doesn't create elite wide receivers and hasn't been addressed properly. Is he not willing to admit that flaw of the Ravens organization? So my answer to that is simple. Does that benefit the team in any way by him publicly going there and saying anything about that? No, it doesn't. It doesn't benefit the team in any kind of way. Does he personally feel that? I'm sure he does. He's not the the only one that doesn't see the lack. I mean, just the, the stats tell the story. When you look at the numbers, right. they're the bottom of the barrel in the passing game. He's well aware of that, right? But there's no benefit to the team going publicly and saying that there's an issue with that. I agree with Address that. Address that internally. I think, but that goes back to to your point and to kind of Craig, to Craig's point, right? He, he brought up the the opportunities on the offensive line, right? Yeah. He's brought up opportunities previously on the defensive line before. So it, he has no problem. It's just something about this it, is weird. It's off. I don't know what it is. But, but this this question is more geared towards system, which then gears towards the coaching. So I think Fair enough. I think Eric DaCosta's about, uh, point about the offensive line is more about personnel as far as player personnel, right? It's not about the coaching staff. This is more of a question specifically geared towards system, I guess it, which isn't player. It, it, it boils down to, do you think there are uncoachable players out there? Oh, that we have on our roster right now? No, what I, what I mean by that is some guys, right, just it might just be uncoachable, right? They aren't take they don't they don't truly take in the the feedback that they're getting. They don't truly take in uh, the recommendations, you know, of making adjustments or the extra workouts, things like that. Right. There are guys out there that don't do that. The Ravens historically, you know, I don't know what the difference is. I don't know. I can't tell you. But there's a clear difference in the same division between us and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a goddamn wide receiver factory at times. Yeah. Right, the Ravens. What's the last draft pick that we had that was successful, Tory? Yeah. Outside of that, we are good on. We're great on on the free agency, right? With getting guys to end of their career, making a huge impact. Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden, right? Maybe it's Sammy Watkins. We've done it historically, but we've never developed. And I think that's where Craig's going with this statement is. There's an organizational flaw, and I get that he's not doing that. But then to get defensive about the guys that you have. When there's been a clear history of an organization, you're not a GM that just came into this organization. You've yeah. been around this organization for a while. Yeah. Right? Again. So possibly, could your mentality be a part of the problem? Not saying it is. I'm throwing ideas out there of, of yeah. where Craig's no, coming you. from and, and I what understand. the thought process could Listen, be for some fans. He obviously knows there's an issue. 
because he he was very desperately clear <laughs> that he wanted to upgrade through free agency. He went out there, to your point, offered a bunch of money to Juju Smith-Schuster. That backfired his face. Then he went out there and offered money to T.Y. Hilton. That backfired his place, face. And then he went out there and went with a safety net well, in Sammy Watkins. There was like, also the rumors that he was going after Galladay. Right. right before the Galladay Exactly. And, it, and that entire situation, to me, smelled like desperation, right? Then, you know, you also bring in two new coaches to the staff. You bring in T. Martin and, and Keith Washington. Those are direct hires because of the issues right. in the passing game and with the scheme, right? Yeah. So the, they're obviously recognizing there's an issue and they're trying to address it. Like I said, there's just no benefit for them yeah. going public and bashing the coaches. Fair enough. I, I think his point is just like kind of going against what you were saying was he's getting defensive but yet you're willing to mit holes in other areas. So it's just interesting to see. So, Ryan, one of the things that they talked about in this uh, uh, in this draft meeting, to, uh, the press conference, that I thought you, of all people, would have liked, Hortiz was asked about uh, Maryland running back Jake Funk. And his response to him was very positive. You can see his, his, his face kind of lit up, said he's competitive as, as can be, notes he's been an outstanding special teams player at Maryland, and that matters to the Ravens. It always has mattered to the Ravens, right? The the Ravens hang on to their good special teamers. Obviously, they just re-signed Anthony Levine. Yeah. To, I think his 11th year here or maybe 10th year here. Eleven. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, something like that. So special teams are obviously important to the Ravens. Um, and then Jake Funk was on uh, Good Morning Football today and had about five minutes to kind of self-promote himself on there. I'm telling you, he knocked it out of the park. He's so well-spoken. Uh, seems just collectively like a, a just a, a genuinely good dude, a smart <laughs> dude. Um, what would I mean? What do you think your prospect would be of having Jake Funk here with the Ravens? Like, would you be happy to see that? I'd be very happy to see Jake Funk with the Ravens. Unfortunately, I believe that if Jake Funk is with the Ravens, it will be as an undrafted free agent. So I, for Jake's sake. Hope that doesn't happen. Right. But if he does not get drafted, I would love to see him on the Ravens and get him here. I would, if the Ravens would spend a draft pick on him, great. I just don't see the Ravens doing that with their, with, with where they're standing with their running backs, with what they've done in the past. So I think that if the Ravens get him, it would be because they were the best fit option when he could pick his team instead right. of the team picking them. Well, he did again in that, in that, uh, uh, statement with good morning football today he did promote himself and he said you know what he brings to the table is more than just being a running back that he's a football player right that not only can he you know bring value in the running game but to your point where we talked about him being a potential fit for the Patriots you know he can slide out in the slot be that wide receiver which I know Jobeth talked about him potentially being drafted as a wide receiver and not a running back uh, and then obviously the added value of special teams. He said in two years he had thirty, I think thirty-two tackles in two years on the special teams unit. In my opinion, he's going to get drafted. It's just a matter of where. I think this guy's probably a late fourth, early fifth, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I I hope so. It's just he's so far all over the place. People saying he's going to be a good pickup undrafted versus a, a couple people saying he's a just early day three pick. I have not seen pretty much anybody outside of this room that says he's a fourth round pick, but you know, I, I wish him the best. And if the Ravens do it, I'm going to be jumping for joy because it's been a while since I had a, a Raven to really, or I mean, a Terp to really root for on the Ravens. Right. I always, I always liked having Tory there. Yeah. It seemed like every decade <laughs> we had one, you know, with Jermaine Lewis in the early days and then Tory. So maybe Jake yeah. Funk will be that next wave of Terp that comes <laughs> through. I hope so. I'd be excited for it. 
So uh, another thing I did want to bring up because we brought it up a little bit earlier, but we didn't get it didn't get into yeah. it is the whole OBJ situation, right? <laughs> so it yeah. was addressed in this, and then I know that we're going to get into some more discussions. But uh, he would not. He was asked about trade discussions regarding OBJ. He he shut those down immediately. He said, "I'm not discussing any potential ongoing conversations or discussions that are happening with any players." Typical, t- typical GM. To speak. Uh, to the point I made earlier, it doesn't benefit the team to talk about exactly. that. So why would you? Um, and then he also wouldn't confirm that Alejandro Villanueva uh, had a visit that had got uh, gotten out that he was, uh, you know, he was one of the guys that they were looking to bring in to potentially replace him. Um, obviously, Ian Rappaport was the one that re- that reported him coming out. Uh, and former Steeler, right? He's mm-hmm. gonna know. The system very well. He's been around for a while. I think he's thirty-two. Yeah. Um, at this point, so he, you know, for an offensive lineman, he's getting up there, right? Those guys t- start. This is about that time where their knees really start having issues. Um, you know, and they start losing, missing a lot of games, or losing the chance to play some games. Um, so I want to get your take on him, the the thoughts of him coming out. So, the thing I, I way I feel about this is bringing in Villanueva doesn't signal one way or the other that the Ravens are going to trade or not trade Orlando Brown Jr. this year. I don't think it has anything to do with that. Right now, when you look at the tackle depth depth on this team, you've got Ronnie Stanley, who's still banged up, and we're not 100% sure if he's going to be right. healthy. you got OBJ, who is obviously disgruntled, and you know we don't know how he's going to react to being here. And then behind him, the only other guy you've got is Tyree Phillips. As far as tackle depth goes, has struggles, right? I mean, DJ Fluker set, you know, went out there a little bit last year, but he was terrible, and he just signed with he the gone. Miami Dolphins, so he's gone. You have no tackle depth, so Villanueva would be a great signing, even if the Ravens keep OBJ, because you need that depth. Now, Villanueva is still a capable starter, and there's plenty of positions out there for him to potentially be a starter. So. If I'm Villanueva, am I coming into the Ravens situation as a swing tackle, as a backup tackle, not coming? So his interest in the Ravens signals to me that maybe, maybe there's more to this Orlando Brown situation, and maybe a deal is happening. The rumor started up again today. I saw on social media that the Vikings and the Ravens are talking even hotter and hotter now as we get closer to the draft about is this a trade. with bleeding purple? Like we just keep talking every year. <laughs> Listen, we've we've pulled some uh, we pulled some rabbits out of the hat for sure, <laughs> and we've done that to the Vikings. We all remember the Vedvik. We Yeah, <laughs> who was just drafted in like the CFL like <laughs> expansion draft or some bullshit? I don't even know. We got rid of him for what a fifth round pick. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it, it turned into Calais Campbell. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so listen, any deal that the Vikings want to talk to us about, I'm all ears for it. <laughs> we can rob them away, again. Let's do it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think this Villanueva signing or potential signing would make a lot of sense for the Ravens with or without Orlando Brown Jr. in the fold this year. I think if if they, it's doing one of two things. It's either throwing them off. It's either throwing off the scent of the idea of us drafting, right, right, or. It is they are bringing somebody in and they're still going to draft because they're going to turn around and say, okay, we've got this guy drafted. Now we can get rid of OBJ, get some draft picks stockpiled for next year. And now you got Villanueva that he can sit behind and actually get, you know, it could be a shared snap situation. Villanueva still wants to play ball, right? right? If this, if he wants to play ball on a competitive team, 
and hell, if he wants to come over and, and give us some schemes, what the hell is going on in the Steelers? Yeah, I'll take I'll that. Take it. 100% sure. So our boy Garnett brings up a great point. He says Villanueva, Villanueva would be a perfect transitional tackle piece for a future talent tackle. Exactly what I was just saying. So, yeah. yes, if you are going to be trading Orlando Brown Jr. and you need that stopgap, that bridge feeler for a potential, you know, it, let's just say you don't take a tackle in the first round of the draft. You get a tackle in the second or third round with a guy that you don't want to throw right into the fire year one as a rookie. Villanueva makes a lot of sense, a good piece to bring in and learn behind and have them, you know, transition next year. Yeah, I mean, imagine imagine being able to learn from Villanueva and uh, Ronnie Stanley. Right. I mean... And exactly. if Stanley goes down, now you're a star. Stanley, Stanley can't start. Now you got now you got your starter on the left side until until he comes back, and be able to shift the guy left around. You, you can go. We can go a bunch of different ways with the situation uh, like that. I'm excited, man. It's again the the NFL draft is like a holiday around here. Uh, we're nine days away. Like we said earlier in the show, if you weren't tuned in at that point, next week's show. Not on Tuesday. We are going live Thursday for the NFL draft. Draft we'll go, edition. Draft edition. We'll go live 7.30 as normal. Draft starts at 8 o'clock, and we're here until the first first round ends, whether the Ravens pick in the first round or not. Let's hope they pick, and let's hope they pick and multiple it, times if, we, if they yeah, trade Orlando if, if we have time, maybe maybe we'll, I'll uh, figure out a way to get it. We'll get a timer going in the background. We'll get a buzzer going. We'll, we'll get it figured out. We'll figure something out. <laughs> All right, Ryan, it's time for a social media shout-out. Who's been out in the chat room tonight? All right, we got Dominic Henson, Andrew Sakura, Steph Summers, Buffalo Chuck, Carlozo, Craig Zero, Sharing Sherry, Garnett West, Steven Seavers, Smoke Break Chat, uh, Lamar's Daddy, as we talked about earlier, <laughs> Signed Sammy Watkins. I'm not really sure who that is, but that's a new name out there. I'm sure it's just my Welcome. name. Welcome. And the name of the night, artist version one, fingered my ass. I hope this is not a new thing. <laughs> That wow. people are doing to me that makes me read it. But Fred said, read everybody's name. There it is. Hey, somebody cut that clip. Save it for the future. We are an uncensored show. Any good comments out there, things that maybe we didn't bring up? Uh, Joseph Labry says, uh, Pittsburgh's been a wide receiver factory because they had a Hall of Fame Q QB for 15 years. It's true, whether we like it or not. I agree. Made a lot of it. I think you know a lot of the success with the wide receivers in Pittsburgh has to do with the system and has to do with the, the Hall of Fame quarterback. 100% agree with you. Yeah, I mean, and um, Brown is a, is a difference maker, but other, all their other wide receivers were not as good when they went elsewhere, and I don't think right. Juju would have been anything if he went elsewhere. I wish we would have got to see that. Agreed. Um, another thing we got, Mr. Garnett West, says Orlando is out the door. We're going to get two first-round picks, hopefully. Woo! I don't know if he's saying two <laughs> for him or just we're going to have two because we traded it, one if for If you're him. saying a 2022 20, and a 2023, maybe. Garnett, Maybe. yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, getting two for <laughs> next year. I, I don't see us getting just two first. Keep ours and we gain one. I'm that like, could be very well the po yeah, two first. He's gone. That's see you later. the possibility <laughs> I see. I think I think the Vikings have the thirteenth pick in the draft. If Ooh, I'm not mistaken, that sounds like Kyle Pitts. <laughs> that would be really nice. Yeah. Uh, but, but see, you could take that thirteenth and get into that yes. that upper echelon. There have been some other scenarios out there that I've heard around the Vikings where we get the thirteenth, we get their second round, and we get a fourth round 
and then we, we give them our 27th. So we move up 14 spots in the first round, but then we gain a second and a fourth as well. I kind of like that because we get a better prospect, a, a guaranteed plug-and-play guy at 13. 27 in the draft is like kind of that spot where you're not guaranteed a starter day one. Or 13, you're guaranteed a starter day one. And again, if you're trading Orlando Brown, you're going to need that starter day one. And it's got to be, in my opinion, it's got to be one of the best offensive so, tackles in the draft. It's So here's the other thing I need you to think about. What are we good at doing? Turning around draft picks. What does Eric DaCosta want to do over the next two years? He wants to have 20 picks over the next two years. Right. You could see him very well if that were to happen. Now they've got leverage with anybody to be able to say, okay, what are you going to give me for this 13th pick? Right. Give me something. You know, if you get somebody that's, and that's back in the 28, here, 29 mark. Here's the other thing. If you get that move, right? And you get the 13th pick, your 27th is gone, and you get down to that 27 to 30 range, and there's somebody on your board that you really want for five years, then you package that second and fourth that you just got to go back into the, into first. the first round, and now you've got your two first-round picks potentially. Hey, hey Fred, you don't think, because they tried to do it last year, that Orlando Brown goes there and they send Thielen this way too? There has been some rumors about Thielen. I haven't heard anything in a while. Uh, when this whole thing first started about the Orlando Brown situation and everybody pegged the Vikings to Orlando Brown because they have obvious needs at offensive tackle, Thielen's name was was thrown around. The problem with Thielen is the contract situation, especially in the immediate. Long term, I think it's after yeah, I got the, it up se here. the second or third year, the dead money is not it's bad It's the second at all. year. Okay, it's not bad. It's just how would it affect the cap this year, and I think that contract would put us over the cap. So you'd have to like rob Peter to pay Paul or figure out some other extensions to make it work under the cap number. That's that's my only concern with that. Yeah. All right. Any other comments or anything? Um, I think that's good. And, um, Carlos wants to know when he's going to come back. Yeah. <laughs> Carlos, Carlos, the door is open anytime for you, my friend. I already told him August. I go on vacation <laughs> again in August. Lamar, Lamar's daddy says we're going to be big hits in the later rounds this year. So. Oh, we always usually do good in the later rounds, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, Scott, it's time for some bros, bows, and o's. Yeah, so I hear, the Orioles, I hear the Orioles are up tonight. Uh, obviously, we, we talked about it. Uh, Santander apparently went down with a uh, bad ankle injury. We did see a little bit of the video. Don't know how bad it is. Uh, looked a little rough. Uh, he had to be helped off the field, so he couldn't even walk on it. So you worry that that's a little bit more than just a basic sprain. Yeah. Uh, when the guy can't, doesn't seem to like he can put a lot of pressure on it. Yeah. Um, so a little worry there. We'll see what comes out of that. Knock on wood. Hopefully nothing's I crazy. I have sprained my ankle more times than I can probably count. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's not fun, especially if it's a severe or high ankle sprain. They, yeah. they can last a while. Steven Seaver says he can give us his own footage of the injury. Apparently he's got some pretty good seats. There, oh, wow. <laughs> there we go. All right. <laughs> so uh, let, let me ask you this real quick right so the Orioles right now I think going into night they're what seven and nine yeah uh yeah. what 16 games of the season yeah tie so for tie for third with Toronto okay so seven and nine in the season are you surprised right now by where this team is or do you is this kind of like where you expected them to be the entire time um I think it's a little bit of a loaded question and when I say that like I think the the pitching we all saw like there were some good good prospects in the pitching. Right. Um, I don't think none of any of us thought Harvey would be uh, 
what he is. He's not great, but he's not horrible either. Yeah. Right. Um, Dean Kramer. I know we're going to talk about him in a minute. Has been a surprise. Lopez has been up and down. John Means is a goddamn workhorse. Yeah, he is. Uh, and Zimmerman's Zimmerman's looked pretty good for the most part. Yeah. Um. So I, that was my that was my one thing that I was okay with. My question mark was the hitting, right? And the, the fact that you know we lost some of our some of our guys that were really productive some of our last bigger year. Power numbers we lost. Yeah. But we were gaining back a guy in Trey Mancini that we didn't have last year, which so far to start the year looks like Trey's pressing a little bit at the plate. Gotta hope uh, that. You know, it's got to get that hand-eye coordination back, man. Missing an entire year and then going through what he went through would take anybody oh, some time to yeah. get back. So, I mean, I'm not – I guess I when I say I'm surprised, but I'm not, like I'm I'm actually surprised that they're they're this close to 500 ball. I was anticipating, you know, worse with what we've kind of gotten rid of or given up, uh, allowed to go elsewhere, and then what we brought on to kind of fill the gaps. Um, and the, the fill the gaps have been okay. There, nothing's been stellar, which – it, it is what it is. But the other side to this is, yeah, at least this year sucks. The Yankees yeah. suck. The Rays are like, eh. the Yankees. The Yankees are awful. Five and ten, I think, at this point. At least if we're going to be awful, we're not paying to be awful. Like, the <laughs> Yankees are paying out the ass to be terrible right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've they struggled. They're so bad, Jay Bruce was like, fucking, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, he, he was said he quit. He's, I'm he's, done. He's I'm retiring. I'm out. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, just the AL East in general has been rough. So, I mean, the, the 500 piece, that's where most of our games have been thus far. So, it hasn't been a true test. Um Boston, the fact that we took Boston in that first series was like, okay. And especially the way the Boston has been playing recently, they got us in the second series. The next series will be the, te the test of, you know, can we, can we bounce back against them and have another winning series against Boston? If we do, I'll, I'll be surprised. I'll be happy with the way that this has been panning out so far. Drew, what's your take on the team so far? Seven and nine. Is this kind of where you expected them to be? I would say, yeah, actually. If we're just looking at records, seven and nine, I think, I think all of us expected well, well, yeah, them to be we'll right take around something there. like that. But I, overall. Yeah, I say it doesn't really shock me because, granted, I was away, so I didn't really see how these games played out. But they did lose three or four to the Mariners. And maybe, you know, in retrospect, before going into those the, the series, you would have probably thought, if, you know, granted, it's only one game, but five, you know, two and two. Mm -hmm. They would split or whatever. But you would think less of the Mariners. And they, they have a good record so far. But, uh, no, it doesn't really shock me at all. I think more what shocked me is how they're doing it. Right. Because pitching's been probably better than the hitting. Yeah. I mean, I think we would all agree that. Right. And then, like, John Means, we'll, we'll bring him up soon enough. But just seeing what John's, John Means has done, I was lucky to make it home in time for the game on Sunday. And I watched the whole game on Sunday, and it was just like, I had, like, stars in my eyes watching this guy play. I'm like, yeah. that's what we saw in uh, 2019. Yeah. I mean, let's dive right into it then with, with, with John Means. John Means, in three road starts so far, allowed one run, 18 strikeouts in 18 and two-thirds innings. I mean, he's looked great so far. I, I liked John Means from the moment that he got up here, and I thought he had potential for, like, the, the middle of the rotation kind of guy, you know, like right. that number three or number four type starter. But right now, the way he's playing, he 100% could be an ace for this team for the next couple of years if he can stay this consistent. He's just shown you last year was a flaw with everything that went on with COVID, his father, everything that happened last year. Yeah. It just goes to show you, you know, some people, I saw I saw somebody, I put it in our, in our outline, I forget who it was. Somebody said, he, you know, he went from bad to great. And I went, bad to great? Guy was in the running two years ago for rookie of the year. Yeah, he, had exactly. an off, he had an off year with everything that happened. How can you say he was bad last year? Right. 
that's uh, someone that isn't paying attention. You had spring training start and then COVID. Then when the season finally gets underway, he had you know a family issue, and he, some pitchers aren't going to ramp back up right away like you would you would think of it from normal uh, a normal season. So you have so many factors. The way he finished off last season though was mm-hmm. what you saw in 2019, yeah. what you're seeing now. Right. So to me, that's just uninformed, right there. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And you, you were the one that brought up the like the road record that he's got so far this year. Yeah. I mean, overall, like I said, I, I mentioned the road record thing. Overall, though, through four games, he's one and zero, one point five two ERA, twenty three strikeouts in twenty three twenty three and two thirds innings with a point nine three WHIP. That's ace numbers. That's Cy Young numbers. That's that's ace numbers a hundred percent. And you know. It got me to thinking, right, because of the situation that the Orioles are in, I started thinking, like, God, I wonder if the Orioles are, like, would consider trading him, you know, because obviously they're not ready to compete right now and they're trying to build for the future and all that stuff. And as I'm thinking that, I'm scrolling through Twitter, and uh, one of the guys from Pressbox, Matt uh, Kremnitzer, put up a good tweet, and I wanted to bring this up and get your guys' opinion. If you can get a Bedard type of haul for means, do you do it? And what I mean by Bedard, if you remember for you Oriole fans out there that have been around for a while, the Orioles, and this was Andy McPhail, right? This was right, this is like his going away present. Before Duquette. <laughs> before Duquette, right? Andy McPhail, talk about fleecing a team, right? Pulls this deal to send Eric Bedard and every all the head issues and everything that he was <laughs> to Seattle. And in return, you get Adam Jones, Chris Tillman, George Sherrill, who George Sherrill was an all-star closer yeah. at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. At the time, right? Yeah. Adam Jones is a prospect. Chris Tillman was a prospect. Uh, for those that don't remember the deal. And I, there was another guy, Drew, you brought up to me prior to the show yeah, that yeah. I completely forgot about. Yeah, so it was funny. It's Cam Michalayo, because no one's going to remember him. I know the name, but completely forgot he was name, in this deal. It's just, that's the period of baseball where it was like me and my friend were like, Everything we were, I, you talk about bleeding orange, that's bleeding orange back then, right? So, anyway, yeah, it was Cam Michalayo. There's nothing really special about him, he didn't do shit here, but he's six foot nine. So, it was like, oh, you see this like freaking nature type guy. But they traded him and David Hernandez, which was also a, a starter in the vein of like Tommy Hunter, where he's like, okay, he's okay, but once they went to the bullpen in Arizona, he was good, right? So, they traded him uh, and Michalayo to Arizona for Mark Reynolds. Right, and Mark Reynolds was real inter- instrumental in those early the 2012, 2013. The sheriff, years. man, yeah. I loved it. I, I loved it. But yeah. even with that, you know, that was kind of like the you didn't expect a thing, and that was the long term effects of that yeah, trade, yeah. right? But just the immediate impact. You had a top rated player in Adam Jones coming in, who had just kind of cracked the surface at the major league level yeah. and showed that he could play. You had Chris Tillman, who was their t- one of their top rated pitching prospects mm-hmm. in the minors, who was still you know working his way up through the system. My question is, if you can get that kind of haul right now, I, I see Chuck out there, no way, don't trade anything with, to do with means right now, but if you could get that kind of haul again, are you open to that? So here's the deal. The numbers are similar. You go back and you look at Dar's numbers in his first three years. You had the same very similar up and down. First year looked great. Second year was a little bit less. Third year got even better. Mm-hmm. Um, it means you're seeing that same type of pattern. The difference is what you alluded to. 
I don't see any head case issues with John Means. John Means is about as likable a guy as there could be. Exactly. And Bedard, we knew, was having some some head issues. Now, whether that was as a result of our pitching woes all throughout, right? We had Arietta that we thought was the same thing. Oh, he's a head issue. He's a head issue. He goes to Chicago. He gets he gets his head on, and then he, his head falls I, off again. But I knew a girl that dated him while he was here in Baltimore. He said he was a fucking total prick. Who, like Arietta? Er, no, Eric Bedard. Oh, Bedard. Oh, Eric Bedard. Bedard. No, okay. he's a notable prick. <laughs> yeah, he's a total prick. So it wasn't just what you saw in the media. He was a dick. He was no Sidney Ponson. <laughs> no, <laughs> Buddy of mine drank with him at a bar down Canton. So. That's the first mistake he made. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Drinking with Sidney Ponson. Uh, no, uh, but no, look, I don't know because I, if you're doing that, you have to, you have to convince me that you see our pitcher of the future, right. our ace of the future in this staff somewhere. And I, we haven't seen D.O. Hall yet. Uh, we've seen a little bit of Kramer. Grayson Rodriguez, still got to see him. Grayson Rodriguez, you got to see. I haven't seen these guys at the major league level yet. I don't know that I, there's enough to warrant me saying we have our ace of the future. Now, that sure. ace of the future doesn't need to be here tomorrow, but they need to be here in the next two years. Right. They, need to be, they need to be up and, and productive. They need to have a John Means year number one that he, type, that he had. Right. I don't know that that's there. I just haven't seen enough. I, and I, as much as I love what you just brought up, and I'm looking, I'm going, that value for those three guys brought us. It was unreal. Good, it, it, it brought Remember us when we got, we got f- screwed over in the whole Glenn Davis deal? This, yeah. this like made up for that. But it made, up, <laughs> it made up for it, but because Bedard's head issues continued in, yeah. in Seattle. Right. What, I, what my fear would be is you let John Means go. And Johnny Means becomes a multi-son young award winner. Um, I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he he is yeah, you going. Got, you set the bar real high. He's, <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to do that, right? It's 420. Lay <laughs> <laughs> off the weed. <laughs> but we let Arietta go, and what happened? He ran. Yeah, he was right. running for the Cy Young. You're 100 percent right. Right. So that's I, because they let him throw the cutter. Right. <laughs> but that's I don't know where John Means next next development is. I need to see it. I want to see it, and that's my. My hesitation, I'm I'm listening. You have my attention, but I'm not I'm not pulling the trigger at the snap of a finger. You need the cherry on top of that fucking Sunday, huh? I need, you need the that, cherry. You need that cherry. I need Go the ahead, cherry. But it's uh kind of a couple things with means. What what we're talking about now too is it's 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 not really likely you're gonna get a huge haul yet. He's doing he's doing pretty damn good, right? But he's also got a lot of arbitration left too, right? Like yeah. he's got uh, three years left of arbitration, not included this year, right? So he won't be a restrict unrestricted free agent until twenty twenty four. So team control, but a, but a team that's a contender is so, going to be willing to want and, that. And I get that, but it's very few and far between. Blake Snell's the only kind of real recent one in my mind that has like a few a two or three years right. of arbitration. Yeah. Right. They got traded, but that's that's kind of like the Rays' mo. I was going to say, yeah. So it, it's. My my response would be it's twofold. Yes, if you got a major haul before July and it, it could happen because it's happened with Snell in recent yeah. memory, then that would be amazing and just about j- jump at any almost any mind blowing thing. But then it also goes with wait a year or two, a year or two he could be even better, or it could you be drive other, his price you know, up. Or I mean, negatively it could go down. Yeah. Sure, but I'm I'm choosing to be it's real like positive. the stock market. You got to sell it. It's but peak I'm though, cho- right? I'm choosing to be real. <laughs> so you sold Dodge today? Fuck. <laughs> Stop reminding me of that. I'm sorry, you sold Dodge last night? <laughs> no, I bought more last night. Yeah, he literally called me, and I'm like, 
be sure. This doesn't <laughs> sound like something I would do. But I was to the moon. They were so sure. Only go moon. when Elon says. Yeah. <laughs> Barely I wasn't following close enough. But uh, all right, so stay, staying with the pitching staff and going on the other end, right? Another guy that, younger guy, we mentioned him, that the Orioles consider as part of the future, a guy that we got back. I think he came in the uh, the Machado trade, right, Dean Kramer? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Britain. Britain. Oh, Zach yeah, Britton right. trade. You're right. That's right. So Zach or Dean Kramer uh, gets optioned uh, to the alternative site. Now, uh, they don't really need a fifth starter with two off days, you know, yesterday and Thursday. So there's that. You know, this could be just a they don't need him. So let's get another bullpen arm up there. The bullpen's yeah. been a little taxed lately. But, you know, the thing that I've saw so far from Dean Kramer is inconsistency when he's on. He's electric. He's got good stuff. But when he's off, he's been off, and the numbers tell the story. Yeah, I mean, when you look at his numbers, he went into Saturday with a 10-5 ERA. Yeah. 10-5 through three starts. Uh, He goes four and two-thirds and winds up getting the ERA down to 6-7-5 by the end of the game. So, okay, it's it's getting a little bit better, but he only goes four and two-thirds. His whip is just under two. He's 1.88. Yeah, that's got to that's gotta improve. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just, it's bad. He's he's not, when I watch him pitch, he's not locating consistently. That's his problem. Yep. And one of the things that jumped off the screen at me watching that game, you seen what his breaking ball is coming in at? It's high. No. Low? His breaking ball is coming in at 72 to 75 on average. Mm, that's good, though. That change in velocity is usually good. But because, usually benefits you. because he can't locate, he's either missing wide or it's breaking so slow, the hitters can read it. Licking and, their chops. And just, yeah, they're just like, Meh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, can, they, they know they just sit back and wait on it, and it's coming. I haven't noticed the velocity on the, uh, the breaking ball stuff. I have noticed his velocity on his fastball has been good. Uh, it's been pretty consistent in the mid-90s there, which is good. Like I said, his stuff to me – translates to major league but he's just got to get better with his command and his consistency it does and honestly the only where it jumped out with to me wasn't actually early in the game it was like midway through when he was at like 74 pitches like i knew he was in the 70s right and i saw 75 come up on the screen i was like he's throwing 75 pitches already i thought thought he was down like low 60s something like that and then the next pitch he throws a breaking ball again and it said 72 i went oh (laughs) fuck yeah that's not good. Like, you can't be throwing a ba- breaking ball that slow. If you're throwing a breaking ball that slow, it better have a lot of fucking movement on it. And right. his, his isn't. It doesn't. It's not breaking 12-6 and dropping off the table two and a half feet. It, it's coming in with, with slight break, maybe moving six, eight inches at a time. That's easy for a hitter to follow. I mean, that's... I think, honestly, and you and I have experience in hitting pitches like that, mm-hmm. Right. I think you and I could hit Dean Kramer right now with this breaking ball. Sit back, wait for the breaking ball. You know it's coming, and it's going to be one of two things. It's either going to be he's every breaking ball he throws, it's either out on the edge or it's right down the middle. I'm almost 40 now, Scott. These eyes don't work as good as they once did. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely can't hit his pitches. I'm just going to put that on. are both wearing glasses right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I've, I've worn glasses since I was 12 for my defense, all right? <laughs> My my um, thing with this though with Dean Kramer is I I really hope that it's literally just to get through these bye week or this these bye couple off days and they bring him back up because 
ideally, this is what I wanted to see from day one is I want this kid to learn on the job, take his lumps. Don't give up on the kid. Don't discourage. I think sending him down sends the wrong message. Yeah. I understand, you know, that the production isn't there. The ERA is bad. That's fine. You don't, none of the, nobody in this organization has expectations to win anyway. Right. I think it's more beneficial for him to learn at the major league level mm -hmm. against the best of the best out there, take his lumps and he'll improve. Well, and to your, to your point, you know, the whole idea of it being for the off days, right. They, part of what they do with this move is, and they didn't do it immediately, which was interesting. Usually you get these corresponding, like immediate with, they announce it at the same time. They actually waited about 25 to 30 minutes before they actually announced it that Cole Sulcer was actually going to be recalled. So that's the bullpen. That's the bullpen arm getting yeah. you through, uh, getting you through the week. Last extra, year's extra closer call. of the year for yeah. like a month. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, out of the two month season. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So it, it's definitely something that's interesting, uh, and I, I'm going to keep an eye on it as, as we continue to go. So speaking of going up and going down, casting couch, both of you, you guys are on the spot. I want to get your take on this. When is the right time for Adley Rutschman to make his debut? Because I, I'm right at this point, I'm done with Severino. He's absolutely awful to Can't watch defensively. He's fucking terrible. You talk about getting out there and being able to hit Dean Kramer. I could get out there today and be a better defensive catcher than Severino. Severino sure, is I'm sure awful. Knee, sure I'm your old knees can handle that? Maybe for like an inning or two. <laughs> the way I feel after I landscape this weekend, the back of my legs are killing me, so I definitely couldn't do a nine-inning game. But, but either way, defensively, Severino's terrible. Cisco hasn't panned out like we all expected him to be. I think he's kind of niched his way into a backup role at best if he's going to be at the major league level. When's the right time for Adley to come up? My response would be, I think the only problem is if... Fuck service time. I don't want to hear about it. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> no. Okay. You haven't had regular minor, minor league games yet. Whereas normally minor league games would be starting now. I think it's the only thing that's kind of would slow them would slow them down on bringing Rutschman up. So you is, don't think the service time or starting his clock well, or any of that? I'm not saying that that doesn't because I'm sorry every team does that. We we ran that Seattle Mariners uh, executive <laughs> live said. mic, yeah, <laughs> the live mic. The, the other stuff he said wasn't what everyone's thinking, but a lot of those <laughs> right. GMs are thinking, yeah, well, yeah, but if I can start this guy in September, it's you know the service clock doesn't start. I'm not saying that that doesn't factor in. But I would say, like, maybe if if Marley game started on time, you could see Rutschman up here by June first because he he, you know, in theory, he would show off what exactly you expect out of him, and he looks great for a month and a half. Okay. But right now, you got that alternate site. I don't think now is the time. But I'm I'm completely with you. The catchers you have are fucking horrible. <laughs> I, I said this from the day he was drafted. Literally day one when he was drafted, he was the best defensive catcher in the organization. Yeah. Day one, yeah. day one. Now we're granted. I know last year he didn't get to play. You know, other than the alternative spot and all that stuff, and he's you know playing behind and all that. I get that, but he's even today not having any you know minor league games yet comes in tomorrow and he starts catching. He's a better defensive. Forget offensive. Offensive, he's going to be better. But defensively, he's light years above both of them. James, what's your opinion? I don't think so. I think what? <laughs> Get out of here. I, I, and we're I, going off no, of James. No. I'm just, <laughs> just saying, save him down there until August. There's no no reason to bring him what up. What was it there, James just told me? There, Get off the weed. There's no, there's no reason to bring him up. Let him be with the young pitchers that he's going to see. 
maybe next year, two years from now, three years, you know, get a feel for them, you know, be there. But there's no reason to bring him up. We're not expected to win anything. Let him be with his pitchers that he's going to see for the next two, three years. I, I get it. I'm it playing both sides of the it fence is here. What it is. I'm with Drew. Let him go down there. Let him get some hidden up because spring training wasn't the best for him. Right. He had decent, but it wasn't the best. Let him go down there. I think he tried too hard. Yeah, I, th- I think he was trying to make the roster and knew that he wasn't. Let him go down there, work with the pitchers, and just go August. Let him come up. Scott, what's your take? So, I for, for the first time in a while, I, I'm right there with you. Okay. I think he's he needs to come up today. It brings you no value to do anything. It actually does your pitchers a disservice with the way Severino's playing behind the plate. He can't call a game worth shit. He can't. You can't even trust Severino to call pitches. That's where we are with Severino. He can't call pitches. So you've got to get to that point where you can have a guy behind the plate that you can trust. And Adley Rutschman, I get what you guys are saying, and I get what you're saying of, of developing. And that's in an ideal scenario. We're not in an ideal scenario. Adley Rutschman can come up and be a major league player. Player, let his bat develop up here. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I think his bat can be major league ready. I think he just needs to sit back, relax, and get that debut under his belt. And this kid's going to start showing what he can do. The, the traditional catcher, right? When you think of traditional catchers, they're not like 300 hitters. There's few in history that are the, the exception that are like the 300 hitters. Yeah. Most catchers are, two, are that 220 to like 250, 250. range hitters-wise. Adley Rutschman can come up here and be a 220 to 250 hitter right now. Yeah, he could come up here and be Maurer. So I mean, could. Because that's who he's being compared to, and Maurer is the guy that was hitting like 300. Last time we compared somebody to Maurer that didn't work out Yeah, quite stop that. Great. Let's so not, do, let's that not again. do that again. I think we put undue <laughs> expectations on Weed as well. That's true. Yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. All right, my, my one Oriole take of the year. Here we go. <laughs> this ought to be great. Yeah, right? Record. No, but we went to the Adley Russian opening weekend at Aberdeen. Like, it was a big deal. They mm-hmm. sold out every game for, yeah. like, four or five days in a row. It was, like, this awesome fan experience. Orioles aren't cashing in that cash cow until they can put more people in that stadium. That's a good now, point. they're not going to have a full stadium this year, but I'd be willing to bet you're going to at least double the number of people that are in that stadium this summer. So they're definitely not bringing them up until at least that happens. Scott, hey. that's a pretty damn good rebuttal, hey. I'll be honest God with you. God damn it, that was a good I, I don't know baseball, but Shit. I know money. Credit where credit is due. Great point. I'll give you credit on that, but you, what you can't afford. Because you you've afford, always been, like last year we got that whole fucking debate about uh, the World Series and money and all that stuff. So you've always been about like revenue and the importance of revenues yeah. to teams, especially to a team like us. That's a great point. Yeah, but if you're only allowed to seat 11,000 fans and you're only pulling in six Adley Rutschman can pull in that other six for you. Yeah, I'm sorry, but if you have twenty four thousand, you're going to get eighteen to twenty thousand with Adley Rutschman there. I, I, I don't. If I don't you think. have if you have a productive situation, yes, are, are people going to come in for that initial? Yes, they're going to come in for that quick wave. I'll be there. You need, but you want your. Doesn't but that you're say the, something again? But you're the exception <laughs> to the rule. We've talked about. And this. to his point. It's going to be a quick wave. You're not going to oh, go not, there for going to last forever. You're going to no, go there for that can, cash yeah. cow for like the first week that he's there. Right. Yeah. And cash in on that now because if you cash on that now, people start seeing it. They start seeing, oh, wow, this is this is great. You're allowing him to do it. I get – and I, I think you make uh, – I'm going to give you that. You make a great point with that. And I do, I do talk about that revenue. But I also talk about you need to put a competitive fee, like team on the field. I look at it right now, and we're above average, so maybe we're the problem. But I look at it right now and say, I know five guys 
that don't have a job that could go out and do a better job, in my opinion, than Severino. Jake Taylor him. could come out of retirement. I tell you one. Anybody? Guy, I tell you one. Even yes. Tom yes, yes. There it is. <laughs> I'll throw. That's I'll throw like a name out there. <laughs> I'll throw a name out there. My wife's probably gonna get real excited upstairs. <laughs> oh Matt God. Wieters. Matt Wieters. <laughs> Matt Wieters is, has no job right now. He's a free agent. Yeah. You know he can come in to call a game, but that's that's the they're point. Not they're not him. they're not going to pay anybody to come in. They're going to keep it. Nobody's internal. paying him right now, so nobody's saying you don't just <laughs> offer him he something. He wants good money, but Rushman will be up when they have uh, his Bob. He was in night. St. Louis catching behind Yachty. He's not looking for money right now. He I wants to get on a roster. Uh, no, he wants. To, when you wait, two years, he was behind Yachty for two years. Yachty's not going anywhere. Yachty just caught his two thousand career got, game. You didn't want to sign Puig last year because it didn't make benefit to the team, and they were spending unnecessary <laughs> money. But now you want to sign Matt Weeders for you know, unnecessarily. I'm not, I'm not saying it's happy. Make life. The wife happy. If, no, if you can, <laughs> I can watch more baseball. Hey, hon, he's he's behind the plate tonight. If you can sign, if you can sign Weeders to uh, the same type of one or. You know, one or two million dollar deal that you signed to some of these pitchers like Felix Hernandez and Matt Harvey to originally. Why would you not Scott, do that to have a veteran behind you're the not, plate? You're not arguing a a, a a point that I don't agree with. Like if we could just tomorrow swap out Severino for Matt Weeders, I'm 100 percent on board with that. The Orioles just aren't going to do it. So I it, knew Brady Anderson was a heartthrob. I did not know Matt Weeders was. Chuck's wife's out here going Wheaties too. Apparently, all the wives, <laughs> all the wives like uh, all the wives like Matt Wheaters. Who knew? <laughs> no, but uh, listen, it's Adley Rushman the gap in the teeth. Hold on, I just I just heard that they're bringing uh, Nick Markakis back too to play uh, right while while uh, Santander's. Back. You can't. Say, none, nobody, nobody in this room can can are is are you going to argue that Matt Wheaters would not be an upgrade defensively? hundred percent, he would be. Okay, he'd be an upgrade offensively if, and defensively. If he's coming in and he's paying two million dollars, I don't know. You could look up the salary. I guarantee you, what you're paying Severino, but, is probably close to it. But the point is that the money is guaranteed in baseball, right? So if yeah. you cut Severino, you're still paying Severino's contract, right? And the Orioles right now are trimming fat yeah. everywhere they can get it. I mean, they're cutting out you know Fair pizza enough. joints and they're cutting out all kinds of stuff to World try to save money. Answers. But Cisco's not Cisco is just on. You could send Cisco back down if you wanted to. No, I, I get that. He's not out of options. I get that. I understand that. I just think that that let's just go fall in rule Orioles five category. The Orioles are going to keep who they've got on the roster. My whole point in this was Adley Rutschman, in my opinion, gives you a better opportunity yeah. to grow, growing at the major league level than he does at an my alternative whole, camp and doing my whole, BP. My whole point is if you're not going to bring him up, you got to do something else because what you have isn't working. You're don't disagree with that. Scott, pitchers. you got to remember, Matt Wieters is 34 years old. His agent is Scott Boris. Oh. He's not going to get more. Scott Boris needs that half a percent. He's going to need like a, a $2 million contract. Two, which it's not which is what it. I just said. It's not worth so, it. So let me, let me it? let me flip the script on somebody else then, right? To so win what five extra games? Ha hang on a second. Let me let me flip the script on somebody else then because you're. I agree with you. Okay. I'm unhappy with Severino specifically. I I brought this question up, right? Severino and Cisco, both. right? I agree with you. Ryan Mountcastle has looked like total shit in he's right not a field. Left field or, he's or not a left, left fielder, field. right? Yeah. So you didn't dra you didn't you didn't draft him as a left fielder. Okay. You didn't like him at th at third base because he was got terrible a, at third base, and you got a backlog at first base. Right. So, what are you going to do with him? Are you going to go out and sign a veteran to bring in and replace my, my Ryan Mountcastle in left a field? 
<laughs> that's a, that's a poor comparison because your le- your veteran your veteran left fielder isn't the guy that's calling the game for your pitchers. Yeah. There's a difference here. Come on. You as a I catcher have no, to understand I, I, that. I understand the importance of that, and that's why I want... If you're talking center that's why I'm want, having a, different, a little bit different conversation. That's, he's your, that's why he's I your want, outfield general. That's why I want Adley here, because Adley is going to be a part of the future. Matt Wieters is not. I'm saying... I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm saying is, if you're not going to do one, you have to do the other. I'm not saying call him up over Adley. If Adley get I'd rather Adley here. But if you're not going to, if you're worried about service time, if you don't want to bring him up for whatever reason, you need to do something. And if you're not planning on to bring him up, my fear, I get what you guys are saying. Let him hit for a month and a half. I don't think Adley Rutschman is coming up until September. I truly think they're worried about service time. And they and very going, well could be. And going forward with that. I just don't know that this this team can sustain Chance Cisco and Severino platooning behind the plate and not having the ability to call a game. I got you. I got you. Well, switching topics, right? So some major, major league news came across the wire recently as well I wanted you to talk about. Yeah, so with this, one of the, one of the things that, that comes down from, and I'm, I'm interested to get people's takes because I want us to know if you're happy, sad, confused, uh, annoyed. MLB announced they have made the decision. It is final in agreement with the MLBPA. They are testing in the Atlantic League, the minors. They are testing moving the, ma- the mound back one foot from 60 feet, six inches to 61 feet, six inches. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? What are your thoughts? You have a problem with it? Do you like it? Do you hate it? I just don't know how much of an impact one foot makes. You know what I mean? I, I know that everything from the batter's perspective is split-second decisions and, you know, the difference between, you know, where your your bat comes through the zone at, you know, a particular time mm-hmm. and giving yourself that much more of a – I just don't know statistically how much of a difference that makes. The traditionalist side of me hates it. You know, I, I just – I hate the little tweaks like that. Like, I <laughs> – Moving the bases 90 feet to 95 feet, that would be stupid in my opinion. Moving the bound back one foot is stupid. I don't, I'm not honestly, I'm not even a fan of this whole extra inning thing that they're doing with a runner starting on second base because that feels like men's softball to me. You know what I mean? Like, I that's not what baseball was built. I understand they're trying to do things to like speed the game up, but I don't know. This is something I'm glad if they're going to do it. They're just not doing it at the major league level and just saying, here we are. We're going to see how we do, just like they did last year, that they're testing it in the minor leagues and they're testing it in the Atlantic League to see what kind of impact it's going to have. Drew, James, Ryan, anybody? MLB continues to shoot themselves in the foot. You want to experiment with this. It, it, I don't see the difference. If anything, it helps, to me, in, in my opinion, it helps the pitchers out because it gives an extra foot of movement on a slider, on a curveball, any breaking ball. But you're lowering that velocity on that fastball. You're giving greater time to actually I, I, react. I, to I that. don't think that's that's difference. the statistic. I don't know how to measure. That's how yeah, much yeah. does a foot really impact it? Well, and the other the other because when you're when you're talking about when you're little league, right? I think you go from what forty five feet to sixty feet Mm-mm. when no, it's, it's like it's forty five to fifty four. I think it's forty five to fifty four to sixty. Okay, that's still that's that's six nine. That's that's big jumps. A foot. I just don't know how much that affects it. I, I agree with you. The only thing I that I look at, and it's part of what a lot of these guys do. What is it? It's muscle memory, right? Mm-hmm. At at a foot difference, your release point is different. Period. Yeah. No, no way I, fans bust. I agree with that. Yes. So now you're having to get different release points. 
my thing is, is by a dramatic jump of a foot. If you were doing it, if you said like an inch or two inches a year for over the next several years, right? And I hope that's what actually comes out of this is they say, look, a foot was too much. We're going to ease it back. My fear is you get this happening. Some of these balls that are coming inside and just barely getting, they're getting guys on the hands. Now they're hitting guys because your, your, your release point is different. You have a foot for, further to release it. So you have to either overshoot it, which means more wild pitches, or you're releasing a little too early, which winds up having more guys get hit. I'm not saying that that's, I don't know the statistics behind it to your point. Yeah. I'm just, I just in I, my in my head, these are all the things under, that could very easily go wrong. I understand the muscle memory part of it, but I think us as humans adapt to change pretty quickly that I don't think a foot. Again, my comparison going from league to league when you're in little league, that six foot or nine foot jump from league to league, that's a big adjustment. I remember when I was in 11, 12s, I was blown because I threw hard. I was blowing kids away. Nobody could touch it. When I went up to the next age group, when I went to 60 feet, six inches, tagged. I had to, it took me a while. Yeah. I had to adjust because these guys were actually hitting things that I was throwing. And it, it took me a little bit. And that was me at a little league. And I was 15 or 13 right. years old. These guys are major league pitchers. I think a foot's not going to make much of a difference. I really don't. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference in velocity. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference in reaction time. Again, it's a foot. It's 12 inches. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it is. But again, it's muscle memory that these guys have been doing since they were 13 years old. They were developing since I, they were 13 years that. old. Right. That. So if you're a 23-year-old just coming into the league, you've been spending 10 years to prepare for this. And now here you are having to come out and throw from a foot, foot difference with a different release point. Drew, final thought. Was just, uh, I don't know if you two can answer. What, what difference does a one foot make? What does that really make? That's what I'm saying. I, like, what are, what, are you do, what are you doing it for? Because that's when that's where I, I, I that's where I go where I the said whole, so ML, you you didn't hear that why they were said they were doing it explain it to me because I don't know. they think they think it's going to bring more offensive to the game okay because it's going to slow down that fastball that we were talking about. again it, it also was about response time of the pitcher on comebackers and batters safety. for safety again well. where I go MLB, yeah, that's, that's a that's a bullshit MLB statement shoots but. themselves in the foot a lot of what a a a, a, a less diehard fan would think is let's make the game funner or better than make me more interested. What does one extra foot on a pitcher's mount actually do? So you want to worry about that, but then you don't want to keep the DH for both leagues. Or you don't want to have, or you don't want to hold umpires accountable for you actually don't getting the calls hold, right. You want to confuse fans that, well, what's the fucking point of replay if you can't even get that right? Right, right, right. The stupid shit like that that you, and the, the overtime, uh, the extra innings rule. Yeah, I hate it's it. so fucking stupid. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I, just, I don't. I don't mind it. I like I, it. It's I won't stupid. be up on my watch. You're not making the game any better. <laughs> and I think, I think to your point, James, is they're doing that to cater to that audience yeah. because they yeah. want to speed the games up, and because that's the biggest knock on baseball. When you ask anybody who's not the diehard fan like you and I yeah. are, most fans just say the games are too boring yeah, and yeah, the games but no, last too there's long. There's no reason to have that that one Phillies game. It lasted the next fucking day. Let me right. right but so to, to kind of. To the point. So you talked about it earlier. How do you how do you speed up a game very easily? How do they speed up the game in softball? What do you start with? Two usually start oh, usually start with a one one. Start you, that shit. Don't either. do that's that. What I equate, one, one, that's what I exactly equate with that extra. That's why. I, that's, that's exactly why I said it's like thing. men's right. softball. But that's what that's what my that's what my point is. is it's it's catering to what you guys are saying. I'm agreeing with you. Is that 
when you're doing that stuff, you're trying to speed. They're trying to speed up the game. Well, then why don't you just start with a guy on first every Hold inning on. then? And there you go. That. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make the fifth inning any better than the tenth. Right. Scott, just to let you know. They play fucking nine innings. If you can't score more than, than fucking two runs in nine innings, you shouldn't be fucking playing baseball anyways. So put the extra guy. Pitcher's duel. I'm Sunday just saying. Was you guys are yeah. I understand that, but if you can't score fucking runs, you, it doesn't need to be playing 20 suck innings and getting um, players can get the hurt. Other, Pitchers are being used. The get other, it over with. Get the, the game fucking over with. The other side to this, too, is that that particular rule as far as starting a runner on second base is that favors the National League because the National League teams are built to play small ball baseball, and they're used to playing small ball baseball. It's all they've ever played without the DH, right? The American League doesn't play that kind of ball. So if they're going to carry these rules through the playoffs into a World Series, advantage National League. I love Unless it. you get rid of the DH. Right, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying, as they are right now. Yeah. I like yeah. it. I'm not up all night. I know I'm not going to be up all night watching fucking baseball. As as uh, Dave, my uncle, said, I, there is one part of what he said. Lo, he says lower the mound, which I don't know how much that's doing either, uh, but outlaw the shift. I'm that for, I outlaw the shift. for, for outlawing the Me shift. Me too. Or limiting it. You want to bring offense yeah, back to like the baseball? So many shifts a game. Yeah. Yes. You no, screw bring... that. I'm a traditionalist. If you can't cover your position... You shouldn't be in the major leagues. Right. Period. There is a di- there are diagrams out there. I have them for coaching. That here is you're a second baseman. Here is your coverage area. You overlap with the, the right fielder. He should be able to cover this area. Scott, you're old. Area. They have analytics now. They look down. Yeah, this was like analytics this. at a time too. <laughs> the really bad ones. Yeah. But your yeah. uncle's got another good point here. If they want to cut the commercials between innings, they would shorten the game too. They need to go to the NFL type commercials where you're watching the game and the commercials at the same damn time. They could keep the same amount of revenue well, and, and shorten it up. They've tried to shorten that up because now there's the whole clock that they monitor, right? I think when the two inning minutes. ends, two minute clock to get out there, get warmed up and get started. And they get as many commercials in in that time that they possibly can. So they have kind of done that over the last couple of years, shortening that to a minute 30. I don't know how much difference Which, that really makes. It's funny that, that clock that, te- that clock technically means nothing because I can't tell you how many times I've sat there and watched an umpire go, uh, hold on. Okay, go ahead. Like yeah, because right. they're they're waiting to get the buzz that all right, now we can go. We're off to, like TV's TV's off, so all right, Scott, it's time for this week's Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. And what did Jerry and the crew hook us up with this week? So I actually finished mine. Uh, Fred did not like this because it's a sour. And if you watch the show, you know Fred. Why I'm drinking mine nat- naturally. <laughs> Fred uh, Fred is sour himself, so sour and sour don't go together. The bottle uh, is gone. The bottle is gone. It's his Brooklyn Bel Air Sour. There you go. It is their key lime version. Uh, it, it starts with a nice tart, like not necessarily nice tart sour note, but... It is a little bit sour, and then it gets a little bit of a sweetness to the finish. I don't mind it. I finished mine. It was, I didn't. I, I don't hate sours like you do. You don't uh, want my opinion. <laughs> so, I, I thought I hated sours, but I actually kind of liked this one by the time I finished it. Right, exactly. I finished it, and it was like, okay, wow, I finished that. I didn't drink. I didn't realize I drank that much. Drew, what did you think of it? I like I, I like sours. I don't think it's very good at all. No, <laughs> I don't even think it's. There's like nothing I key lime about it other than the label. 
It feels like real water. Does it water taste like down. key lime? To I mean, you? I taste I'll a lot. It's more girly drink than yeah. a sour to me. That's why I can handle it and yeah. like it more than it's a sour. It's not bad. Yeah. Sours just aren't my thing. This isn't me trying to rip it or anything. Sours just are not no, my no, thing. Sours are mine, and I'm just like, no, I'm good. Right. So well, make sure you guys head, head out to Liquor Stop, 1510 Conowingo Road. Make sure you let them know that Birdland BS sent you. Get your 10% off. They got tons of stuff out there. I uh, actually also picked up some uh, Pink Whitney upstairs that we had. I forgot to bring Ooh. down here. So we got we to gotta break that down here again. All right. Sounds good. All right, Ryan. It's time for some shell and tell. And <laughs> we had talked yesterday about um, i don't even know if we're gonna do a show and tell segment I, looked this at week. The, I looked at the notes yesterday and i was like uh, what the hell are they talking about and i looked at the notes right before the show and went whoa shit well we are I we literally was like, was i'm gonna take a break i'm gonna skip this week we don't need a show and tell <laughs> partly because we have been so busy with show and tell we've had a lot going on this past week and partly because there really wasn't a whole lot of news going on but uh things changed in the last 24 hours yeah, in the last 24 hours, we'll skip ahead to basketball because that's yeah. what broke. This was this was what I wrote, wrote last night, right? With Terps basketball, uh, hoping no news is good news because all is quiet <laughs> on the hardwood. And it changed today. Uh, well, at 3 p.m., that all fell to shit. Yep. <laughs> so at 3 p.m., we had a uh, decommitment um, and a commitment, all in the matter of about 30 seconds announced. Yeah, uh, Boston College forward Jarius Hamilton, who transferred to us last year, has now entered the portal. Uh, and he'll be looking for a home somewhere else. Yep. Three kinda, schools in three years. Yeah. It was kind of a head. <laughs> the future of basketball, I guess. It was kind of a head scratcher for about 30 seconds until I saw the following post where we did get the new commitment. Yeah. Our newest commitment is Ian Martinez, six foot three, 183 pound freshman. Uh, played all 25 games at Utah last season. Um, only average 16 minutes, 5.2 points, 49.5% shooting, though, and 32% from beyond the arc. So. When I saw those numbers, I got a little worried, actually. I was different than you. I was like, oh, shit, are we trying to replace Eric? Yeah, I know. That was my very first thought. But then I, I looked back, and I kind of realized that. Because I thought that we had already replaced Smart with the last guard commitment. But what really happened is we should have got a guard last offseason and didn't. Right. So the very first guard commitment, Fats Russell, was the guard we were supposed to already have. Right. And this was Anquan Smart's replacement. So, like exactly. The same graduating year and everything. That's exactly right. He's Anquan Smart's replacement who was projected to get some good playing time this year. Uh, if you want a comparison for you older Terp fans out there, he's a combo guard kind of like Drew Nicholas was uh, back in the day, if you remember Drew Nicholas. Uh, I, I see a lot of potential in this guy. Some people are saying he's got some good pro prospects, so that's that speaks volumes to him. The, the numbers, again, as a freshman, don't blow you out of the waters when you just look at his averages. Like Ryan said, 5.2 points uh, at 49.5% shooting, which is good. But what you look at is what he did in the last, like, I want to say it was like 10 games of the season. He was a freshman. He developed. Yeah. The, the last seven games, seven out of the last 10 games, I think it was, he averaged between 10 to 15 points in those games. So, so his career high came in one of his very last games. His um, It was a double overtime loss to USC in the Pac-12 tournament quarterfinals. Right. So in, you know, in the March, March tournaments, he had 18 points on seven for 10 shooting in 30 minutes. Right. So that's, that's pretty good. Uh, again, this gives you that combo guard that primarily going to be a two guard, but he does have the ability to, to handle the ball so he can play the one when needed. Somebody gets into foul trouble or you're just trying to keep guys fresh. That was our problem this season was that we had too short of a rotation and that people were getting gas, especially as we got halfway, three quarters of the way through the season. 
Guys just didn't have the energy to keep it up, and this is going to add depth to that. And this is the new basketball. You've got to keep your scholarships right. So right. if you have people leaving in their for after the freshman, after their sophomore, after their junior year, you've got to at some point try to get somebody back in that kind of class so that you can keep the record going for the for the high school guys. You always have spots open to draft. Or you end up giving a scholarship away to a guy like Reese Mona. Well, yeah, or you <laughs> that's exactly last year. We could not find a point guard that wanted to come right. here, and they're like, all right, well, who deserves it the most? Who works the hardest? Reese, here you go. Exactly. And on the Jarius Hamilton side, Hamilton was a little bit of a disappointment in the sense that I had high expectations for him more as a forward, uh, more as maybe like that slashing three or a guy that was going to have a low pro, uh, low post presence. Didn't really turn out to be that go- that way. He was more of a spot shooter, took more threes than I expected, uh, wasn't a big rebounder. So, I, listen, I wish nothing but the best for Jarius Hamilton, but uh, I think this is an upgrade for the for the squad. Yeah, I mean, and, and especially if you're going with Anquan Smart as as his replacement, it's definitely right. an upgrade. You're talking about the number 120 overall uh, in the player of the nation for the 2020 class. That was the composite ranking, right. and the number 19 shooting guard. Uh, some places had him uh, as high as number 67 player um, in high school. So. Definitely uh, was ranked high beforehand. He chose Utah over Arizona, Arizona State, Ole Miss, and others. So it's not like this is just some guy we're picking up. He's, even though we right. only scored five points a game, this guy could develop into a real player here. Right. All right, so let's switch over to the football side of things. Uh, as we mentioned, it's been a, a crazy whirlwind of a week for us. I mean, I know you you put out the, the Marty McNair uh, yeah. interview that you did with him. Jordan McNair Foundation, yep. Yeah, we just wrapped up an interview yesterday with Terps punter, Anthony Pecorella, which was great. A lot of a lot of good conversation on many things. We started a new segment with Shell and Tell called the Player Spotlight, where essentially what we're going to do is all the player interviews is give you a, a inside look to what these players and what these athletes bring, not just on the field, but off the field as well. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of established at this point. At first, we were, like, getting a player interview and going, oh, my God, this is the best thing that's ever going to happen. <laughs> right. And then we got another one and another one. And we're like, all right, well, we should probably, like, pretend this is going to happen again and, like, break this off so that people can go back and see this and not just find out what the stats were last night. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm excited, man. It's uh, We got the spring game coming up this Saturday. Uh, as we talked about last week, you know, they are going to allow fans into the stands. We're not going to be tailgating out there. Maybe we'll tailgate in the you know driveway, or at least I'll tailgate in the driveway. You can drive and be the, the DD. Yeah. Fred uh, and I aren't even going to get to sit together, I just figured out. So <laughs> they're pods nice. of four, and uh, my wife and twins are planning on coming. So <laughs> Fred going to be sitting four rows behind me yelling at me. <laughs> We're big enough that hey, we'll still be able to high five and shit. That's I fine. Say, hey, I'll bring me and me and the kids will come. That there way you we'll go. Entertain you. There I it is. Say, I like it. I might be able to make it. All right. All right. We'll it's make a it 40% a 40% uh, chance of rain. I'm really, really sad. I'm going to be there whether it's pouring torrential downpours. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll to see how that goes. Well, we had talked about, you know, one of the things that we wanted to see the fans do was get out there and show support. I know you watched the Alabama spring game the other day and just the level of fan support that they have. I mean, granted, it's Alabama, right? It's the number one program in all the nation. They're going to for have that kind of time. support. But, you know, for us, as far as showing support for the for the program, you got to get out there and you got to you got to be there, right? Well, the, the Terps announced that all the spring tickets are gone. That's great. All the spring tickets are gone, but we are talking about uh, PG County and D.C., and they were free, so... <laughs> We'll see. I don't know if we just had scalpers buying hundreds at a time and <laughs> or if people were like, let's get them in case we want to go. So if 5,000 people show up, which is the number of tickets they let go, yeah. then I'll be pretty happy with it. And, and I think that's probably 
about double of the number of people we saw the last spring game two years ago. Uh, but I, I think that you it, could drive that kind of of interest because we all missed an entire season. Is, right? Is <laughs> are they are they doing school on campus this year? Yeah, there's there's they're on campus. I wonder how many how many students you're gonna have there just to get out of just to get out of the dorms. Zero. I think zero. Okay. <laughs> that student section. I'm throwing it out, throw it out I there. Know. I mean, of course, there's gonna be a few students. I mean, uh, Ahmed Gafir, who's now working with Little Chalantel, is technically a student. He's in his master program. He'll be there. Right. <laughs> it's not like there's zero. Well, I mean, you'll I be able to, to count them. Yeah, I talked to I talked to Ellis McKinney. On uh, one hand or two, he's gonna be there for this for this <laughs> Maybe game. Maybe so. head feet. But yeah, I don't know about active undergrad students. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I see a thousand of them sitting out there Be getting great. a nice suntan. But uh, I just figured, I've, I just figured I've, maybe I've they want to get out in the, right? in the fan base. Right. <laughs> well, I wanted to get your take, uh, and Scott, I want your take on this too. You know, so with the spring game coming up and some of the question marks and some of the things, the new, the changes that we've made around this squad. What's an area, Ryan, that you're looking forward to seeing at the spring game the most? What's, I I think the biggest thing is what we've always been lacking: it's the offensive line. Uh, yeah. We're we're starting to get numbers that look like we have a Big Ten offensive line. So I want to see it in action. Right. We got big boys across the board. Um, of course, we're still out there looking at that transfer portal, get another tackle, maybe guard, depending on how that works out. But we have large bodies we've brought in over the years that are getting training. Plus, you got the new offensive line coach. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him like in the moment interact with these guys. They get pulled out coaching them up for what they did wrong and see how that works. Well, out. since you stole mine, I'm going to let you steal the thunder here, Scott. <laughs> what is your most exciting thing for the spring game? I, I look at the defensive side of the ball. Okay. Right? We, we, there were too many games last year that they just could not handle the other, the other side, Northwestern game being one of them. Right. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really curious to see, you know, we thought that Chance Campbell was that leader on that defensive side of the ball. We didn't think he was. Uh, he, yeah, he definitely was. And, you know, one of the things that I think you got to play, you know, your buddy Ruben, can he step up this year? Can Looks he, like it. Can he make an impact? I heard him speak in an interview at his press conference for the first time the other day. Another well-spoken kid knows his shit. Like, and he well, admits that last like year he didn't know, and that's what held him back. Yeah, he's right. Like, he's Very like, candid. I was playing fast, but I didn't really, I didn't grasp it. I didn't understand where I was supposed to be. I've always been able to just do this because I'm better than everyone. Right. And so, he, and 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 we've talked to a couple people that said he really started to put it together right the last game about last year, and has even developed more through the offseason. Right. So he's not just saying he's slowing down; he's actually doing it. Right. So yeah, that's that's the side of the ball that I'm curi most curious on because you know, look, I know that you guys talk about the offensive side, and we need to. Defensive side is going to be a question mark to me this year. There's there there are some question marks with not having a leader. If it is Ruben, great. What does our secondary look like? Great. That was what I was just going to bring up. So <laughs> okay. that's that's the only thing I'm, I'm I'm most confident. Well, no, I'm sorry. Wide receivers is the thing I'm most yeah, confident, okay. in, except for the fact that we only have one quarterback. So Talia has to stay healthy for me to be confident in them. <laughs> right. the defensive backs are be good no matter what. You got Nick Cross very well. This could be his last season here. He could be an NFL draft pick next year. Let's see how that works out. Last year. Didn't quite shine as much as his freshman year, but I think he it's also just didn't that get weird. Much, he didn't get much help from some of the DBs that were out there. Well, you had Treve Still, who was the best freshman I've ever seen come yeah. through there. So that's 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 a big thing. And Jacorian Bennett's on the other side. Played so great. our defensive backs is probably the it overall it's the best I've seen. We've had plenty of of NFL caliber defensive backs play through there, but it's always been like one at a time. Well, before you guys steal all the position groups, and I don't have anything left to talk about, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to take the Ahmed easy cop out and go wide receivers. Oh. I'm going to go with a position that's near and dear to my heart, position that I played, uh, tight end. And the reason I say that is because tight end was 
an area of dire need last year, an area that we were super thin, that we had a defensive lineman switching over to tight end to just fill a role. Like, we were all over the place tight end position. Uh, we get Chigakonkwo back uh, from injury last year, which all reports that you're hearing right now is that he's looked great so far in camp. That adds a whole other dimension, I think, to this offense, having a true – and he's a two-way tight end. He's a good blocking tight end. He's a good receiving tight end. Having him out there, we've got a cluster of young freshman tight ends coming in this year, one of which, baby Gronk, C.J. Dupree, kid who's bench-pressing buses <laughs> and squatting houses. <laughs> this kid looks like the real deal athletically. I haven't seen him on the field, football field other than what I've seen as far as like his high school tape and all that. And It's looked great. Uh, but I'm excited to see him. Corey Dutches, uh, another guy. He's a little small, I think, for the position, uh, but hearing great things from Ahmed, um, his athleticism, his ability to go up and get the 50-50 balls, his strength could put him into the tight, to like the two tight end sets with Chig and not rush C.J. Dupree out on the field too soon. So I think the tight end the position group is going to be interesting to watch, not just in the spring game, I think all year. And not, let's not gloss over Chig. I mean, we were very excited for what yeah. he could bring last year, and then uh, he had cardio uh, my <laughs> Wow, of course I messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> cardio my um, be related to COVID last year and ended up missing the whole year. He's, he's supposedly in, in good shape. He's got it under control out there on the field. So I hope that he can not miss a beat and be out there with the boys. And and really, they they seem really excited that extra wrinkle because we had no tight end. That's what I'm saying. Zero. Nothing. We threw the ball to him like and three times. It bounced off like a brick house, and Locks was like, take all those plays out. Think of how good that wide receiver core played last year without having without that pass and catch pass catching threat the guy, out there the guy over end. the middle that can yeah that all can that's going to do is take some of the pressure and some of the double coverages off those elite wide receivers who everything again i don't want to hype on hop on the hype train with the wide receivers because it's it's ridiculous the amount of talent that they have there but everything that we've heard about dante demas when you just think like he can't get any better he's gotten better uh, I mean, a lot of people said that he could potentially go pro last year. Thank God he didn't. One yeah. final ride here as a Terp, and I'm Let's for go. it. Uh, put him, that Batman and Robin out there with him and Rock, and then you've got so many other options. I mean, you could literally pick a rabbit out of the hat, a name out of the hat, and throw him out there, and so, all these wide receivers are going to be talented. So and question, good. question on that front for the two of you, right? Last year, one of the, one of the – the knocks, especially as we got later in the year, was that, that the Terps were becoming predictable on the deep ball. Do you think that addition and, and being able to have that, that solidified tight end type situation, do you think that opens up more deep balls and allows you to become more, less predictable with that to be able to, to get those deep balls because yes. the guy's open? Because tight ends run a lot of underneath routes. They run a lot of things over the middle. So all that's going to do is pull some of the coverage into the middle of the field, which then will give you the top end of your right, defense. Right. So, yes. I Where think these guys are burners, 100%. you know, at, at that point. So yep. Yeah, I mean, Dante Demas was pretty much their deep threat. But, I mean, you did have Deshaun Jones. Rack didn't really catch Rack balls. just he, caught balls yeah. in space and yeah. then took it to he the house. five yards, yeah. slants 80 yards at a time. That was just what he, he did. He did it twice against Penn State. They look mirror images they're, of each other. It was the exact right? same play. It exactly. goes back to back. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just really happy that this year is so different. It's, it's NFL draft week, right? Yeah. We were talking about maybe having one guy drafted. Right. This year, without even having a breakout of something unexpected, 
we are going to probably lose three underclassmen. Well, I guess Demas is not technically underclassmen, but Demas is getting drafted unless he just blows out both knees in some horrific accident. I'm <laughs> you right. better knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> she just made the camera have a seizure. They knew. <laughs> they knew. We got Jalen Duncan who's leaving early. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, everything Ahmed says, we better get used to this being his last year. He looks great. He could be. He's going to be drafted. And you got Nick Cross. And then looking a year ahead – you got Ruben, you got Still, you got people that are yeah. are definitely considered right now. We only we didn't even think about Jake Funk last year. Right. He was a breakout that got there. So right. we there was a little bit of talk about Shaq uh Barrett or not no, not Shaq Barrett, he's great. <laughs> uh, Shaq for the guy that transferred from Clemson, yes. but he ended up sitting like sitting out and not being anything. Right. But there was no talk of anybody else going to the league. Yeah. And here we are. There's definitely conversation. You see what Locks is doing with the caliber of players at this program. Well, you met you, you bring up the Jake Funk, and if there's any question marks at any positions I'm going to be watching just to see how they're doing, it's going to be the running back core because there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of youth at that position. Uh, obviously, you've got Tayon Fleet Davis, who's going to come back as the one senior back uh, projected to be the day one starter. I've heard nothing but good things as far as him maturing from a mental standpoint. We talked about this on our last show for Shell and Tell, uh, which is great. Great news for this kid because the one knock on him it has never been athletics. It's no, never been really his talent talented. on the football field. It's always just been what's between the ears and making poor decisions off the field. But uh, if he's got a grasp on that and he's really matured, like everything that we're hearing, that bodes well for that running back group. Yeah, it absolutely does. And then you look at the young boys. You got Penny Boone, Isaiah Jacobs, right. trying to figure out if anybody grabs hold of a spot before we reload in fall because we have three freshman running backs coming in, Antoine right. Littleton, uh, Roman Henby, and McDonald all coming in here. You know, who knows what they're going to bring. Antoine Littleton's another big boy like Penny Boone. We're, we're apparently trying this Thunder Lightning thing. <laughs> so, so. I like it. Hopefully, if any of you guys are going down there for the spring game, send us a message, send us an email, hit us up on social media, let us know. We'll try to meet up with as many people as we can down there. We'd love to say hi. All right, Scott, it's time for this week's rundown, and I'm going to let you kick this week's rundown off. I was actually going to pass it off to somebody else, but all right, I'll take it. Hey, so, I'll, I'll take it. They just threw right, it to the Alabama. We already talked about it. <laughs> there you he go. Tried to, he tried right. to steal my uh, thunder here. <laughs> so Alabama well, Tell us about game. your son there, uh, yeah, Ryan. We're going to get to my son here, <laughs> here soon. But the Alabama spring game happened to be a really good day at work. I was able to have, didn't have any patience, so I was able to watch the Alabama spring game. Thank you, VA. Uh, all right, so Alabama spring game, ESPN live, that paycheck. live broadcast this spring game. And I just I know it happens. I've seen it before. But it's just one of those things that struck me. Like, we always talk about we can't get any TV coverage for the Terps. All these things that are like the, the weekly coach interviews at other squads, like Minnesota, that were all on TV when we were out there. Right. All that's just radio at best around here or being streamed so the tv coverage of a spring game then you have alabama spring game attendance advertises socially distance i don't know who's socially distanced in this Forty-seven thousand two hundred eighteen fans <laughs> that makes it the largest sporting event since the pandemic started that's right not the super bowl <laughs> not the national championship game not the texas game not this the, past weekend <laughs> Have the Terps ever had 47,000 fans at their stadium? Yeah, most of them are visitors, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I just can't believe it, like, to see the level. And it's just... 
please? Can I get half that? Yeah. Can I, can I just get a piece? Can I get a piece? <laughs> can I fill the lower bowl for a spring game one time? Oh, Come on, guys. We're falling behind. So tell me but about your son. My son's coming up right here. <laughs> Jai Hall. You're going to know that name if you don't know it now. This dude is 6'3", 190 pounds. He was ranked the number three wide receiver and 44th wait, overall wait. player. How old is your son? 17 years old. Yikes. He was still supposed to be in college playing in the spring game. I mean, in high school, I'm sorry. Still supposed to be in high school playing in the spring game. And he looked like the best player on the field on Alabama, <laughs> <laughs> who has the best players in the country. I mean, this guy had four Two catches. wide receivers projected to go in the top 15. Yeah. <laughs> he, only, he only had four catches, but 72 yards. Two of these catches, complete highlight reels. His very first catch, he's completely draped because Alabama has great defensive players. Right. And he just whaps out one hand, just grabs us into Whap. a ball. And pulls it, pulls it in for the first catch. I'm already like, oh, who's this guy? Like, one drive later, he's tiptoeing the sidelines on a first down catch right at the sticks. This dude is unbelievable. He's 17 years old. This guy is going to, you know, Trevor Lawrence, three years ago, he knew he was going to be the number one overall pick. Yeah. I'll put money right now. This is the number one drafted wide receiver three years from now. Right now. Wow. I, I'm locked. I almost want to take that bet well, just for the sake of I'll, taking it. I'll give you your three hundred for the for the dog toy. <laughs> no, no, can't, I can't waste another three hundred dollars. He's been burned once today. <laughs> no, I, I I saw a couple of his highlights. The the kid is a real deal. Again, doing it against Alabama defensive backs. These catches, unreal. Scott, what do you got? Uh, I was gonna pass it off to Drew here. All right, just Drew, keep it, just, keep just it fucking, you just you know All do whatever. Right. Here we go. <laughs> Put your mic down, Drew. Let's bring hockey into this shit because we never talk about hockey ever. Hockey. And I'm I'm the resident hockey lover. Uh, San Jose Sharks Patrick Marlowe just passed Gordy Howe. Gordy Howe is one of the greats yeah. of all time. He just passed Gordy Howe for the most game played with 1,768. Can you imagine that many games in hockey? Jesus. In hockey, where this guy's That's like brutal. You, you could get you get checked on your ice galore. and never play ever again. I can't do five hours of landscaping. This guy's playing that many hockey games. <laughs> at, age, at age 43. Jeez, 41. Geez. 41. Uh, that's, uh, he's, he's had five, uh, 1,596 with San Jose alone in 21 years. Uh, if he plays tomorrow night, he'll have 900 consecutive games. Think about hockey and think of a player playing 900 consecutive games. Yeah. So if he plays next year, and he plays and he never stops playing. He'll own that record because the, the thing the record's like nine sixty something. So if he plays next year, he'll break that he'll record. Break it, yeah. Um, now let me ask you this: me not being a huge hockey fan, like I said, I'm kind of the casual hockey fan, yeah. if anything. I've never heard this guy's name before until recently. So is he just like one of those guys that just played a really long time but never really did a whole I'll lot? I'll say well, a little bit of this: it's uh, I won't say it's not not it's that. But he's also played in San Jose. It's a okay. small, market small market in California. Team. Makes sense. Think of it. I mean, you're not really following a lot of West Coast teams in general. The lesser teams. Right. And they're like the Caps, where they're always in the playoffs, but they haven't gotten there. They made this Stanley Cup, I and they lost. I think he played for the Pittsburgh Penguins, too. He, so he played, he played 21 years with San Jose, played two years with the Maple Leafs, and then... He was traded to Pittsburgh last year in that little shortened season, but he only played eight regular season games. 
Buff- so, Buffalo Chuck, who I'm assuming would also watch hockey, uh, stuck there in the ice tundra, says he played when he was in middle school. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> and he also uh, said he's never had over 86 points in a season. So, again, he's a yeah. guy that played a really long time, he's but just journeyman. kind of flown the under the radar. hockey, too, though. There's so many great players that you don't think of as the Ovechkins or the Crosby. Right. They're just great players that play the game properly. Dale Hunter was yeah. one of those there guys. There you go. Uh, one last little stat that I found real interesting. So... Uh, I got this on Saturday. So the there's been 8,100 NHL players that ever play a game, and Patrick Marleau has played with 3,009 of them. Wow! So that's 37. Wow! That's <laughs> fucking interesting. Like he's played on, obviously crazy. not on the same. He's just played against them. He's against been, he's been, against yeah, okay. together. That's like combined. He's been on the ice with them basically. There you at some go. Point yeah. During his career. Wow. I'm sorry. That's just I like I said the the resident hockey guy. That's crazy. So like I really started digesting I, a lot of the stats on and 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 everything on Marlowe the last couple of days. That's just amazing to see. Like think of like think of like what oh we're in awe of Cal Ripken here. Right. That's fucking baseball. Right. No one you're can not, just jump over a low, con- a low, con- not, low contact, no contact sport. Yeah, right. You're right. not playing that shit on ice where you're basically playing football lacrosse mixed with ice. Yeah. You know, with ice. These are some it's, of the toughest yeah. MFers around. They, they'll, get, they'll get stitches somewhere on their body in the first uh, period. It and happened they're playing to, uh, in the second period. Subban the other day. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Why, that's what I was just thinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. It's, Roll the dice. Sorry. Is it James next? Let's go, James. All go right, ahead, James. James. What do you got? <laughs> All right. The rich just keep on getting richer. Um, Mark Lore, who is the former CEO of uh, Walmart, and Alex Rodriguez are going to purchase the Timberwolves um, for about $1.5 billion. Um, it's going to get, it has to get approved by the NBA, but it will. It seems like an emotional purchase for Alex Rodriguez after losing J-Lo. Oh, he'll bounce back with another <laughs> nah, he'll, he gets He gets dime pieces left and right. He, he's, <laughs> he's, he's trying to get some of that NBA ass. But he lost J-Lo. <laughs> J-Lo was just getting too old for him. That's all it was. <laughs> she still looks damn good. I don't care yeah, how but, old she is. You know, he, he could probably be pulling these fucking 20-year-olds and shit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he, they're going to buy Who are you again? <laughs> are you a TikTok star? <laughs> Hey, he's got the money for it, but they're gonna You're buy right. the Timberwolf for 1.5 billion. Um, so <laughs> the the owner of it now, Glenn Taylor, uh, he bought the team in 1994 for 90 million dollars. So it's a little Christ. bit of a profit. God, <laughs> Jesus, and, and hopefully uh, A Rock can turn this uh, team around because it's one of the loses franchise in sport in pro sports. So and. Um, Hopefully they can get Kevin Garnett's uh, jersey retired. I was just going to say, did the T.O. Kevin Garnett any money for developing that <laughs> franchise a billion dollars? Yeah. His, his jersey has never been re- retired because That's he had beef with, with the owner. And now I'm hoping that, you know, when, if, when this gets done, um, that. Uh, Kevin, uh, that's a shame. I mean, Kevin Garnett, yeah, hands yeah, down, he, top fifty player yeah, all he's time. He's one of my favorite players. Yeah, yeah he he a hundred percent should give be. A crap, dude. Yeah. Just... Scott. All right, now it's my turn. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, don't ever do that again. Uh, so if I told you guys that the Braves called called up Sean Casimir Jr., you might say, "Oh, okay, who he is? What kind of practice did he like?" Who this? Who, who, who is this guy? What's the story, right? Who number. Who this? Uh, well, he he may be a junior, but but he ain't no Griffey during the draft type junior. Right. He is thirty six years old. Young buck. He's a young buck. <laughs> Hasn't played in the majors since two thousand and eight. Carry the one. Wow, right. That's a long time ago. <laughs> right. 
Uh, so this guy, he played in 19 games in 2008 for the Padres. Padres drafted him. Um, 39 at-bats, 205 hitter, 5 walks, and 14 Ks in that. He was drafted originally by the Athletics in the 37th round in 2003. He didn't sign with them and winds up getting drafted by the Padres out of the College of Southern Nevada in the 5th round. And that was in 2004. So not bad for this guy to I go from the 37th to the 5th. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I was four years removed from high school. So, <laughs> Bastards. You're old. <laughs> so you're about the same age. I was a millennial. Uh, so fifth round to, so 37th round to fifth round wound up being pretty good. Uh, career 258 overall hitter combining all of his stats at all levels. Finally gets called up. Just a really a journeyman, uh, you know, uh, of baseball. We talk about journeyman of hockey. We got a journeyman of baseball here that's been around for a while. It just just stuck at it, stuck at the grind. And really, you know, when they were asking about it, he said, "It's just it's my love of the game." Yeah, right. He, I never gave up on what I what I was doing, what I wanted to do. And he, even though he looked at it, it, one of the things that somebody said was that he helped develop, and he was there for some guys like the Acunas, like the Freemans. This- this story reminds me, and I can't think of the guy's name. Wasn't there a pitcher that was like a science teacher? Yeah, it was on Disney. <laughs> no, not on Disney. It's called the no, Rays. No, no, the replacement for the Rays. No, yeah, yeah, for the Rays. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Not so what he's talking Disney. about was based off of. Oh, the, okay. The, they the, made the a movie out of it. Yeah. Correct. Okay. The movie The Rookie is based off the true story of the pitcher who was a science teacher. Didn't wind up hurting himself in Texas. He wound up hurting himself. Didn't make. Didn't wind up making it all the way. Became a teacher. And it's then got that same kind of vibe. Kid. I mean, obviously, this guy just didn't give no, up. No, he just but. he just didn't give up. He was, he's definitely was a journeyman of it. But I thought it was cool. You know, this guy you know hasn't played in 13 years in the major leagues, and here he is coming out. And they telling they you, said we're going to bring him in. Dave and Buster's told me I could do it. <laughs> I'm telling you, coming back out 39. <laughs> Oh my God! All right, Moving so along. it's your turn now. In uh, <laughs> probably one of the uh, the the classiest players uh, in NFL history, at least during my time, you know, Alex Smith announced his retirement after 16 years in the NFL the other day. We obviously know this guy's story as far as the injury and coming back and all of that. But I mean, when you when you look at this guy's career, it started a little rough for him out out in San Francisco. He got things together. Started playing good football out there in San Francisco. Enter Colin Kaepernick. He gets passed along. Gets goes to the Chiefs. Helps really put the Chiefs organization back on the map. Chiefs hadn't been relevant in forever. Puts them back on the map. Then gets replaced by Patrick Mahomes. Passed along again. Then he goes to Washington, and we all know how that story ended. Not pretty. Uh, you know... It, it, Probably had one of the most gruesome injuries in NFL history. Now, granted, Joe Theismann had a very similar injury, and it ended his career. Never came back. Alex Smith proved to everybody that he'd come back. Not just coming back, but he came back and played. When I started looking at some of his stats, right, he's actually only one of, let's see, one, two, three, four quarterbacks in NFL history with at least 4,000 passing yards, 25 passing touchdowns, and five or few interceptions in a season. One of four quarterbacks in NFL history to ever do that. So my question to you guys as a group, statistically, when you look at his total career, does his stats line up as a Hall of Famer? No. No. But everything that this guy went through in totality and the story that he tells and, and, and 
everything that he went through adversity-wise, the feel-good side of it for the NFL, does he get put into the Hall of Fame as almost like a an exception? An honorary type situation. An, an exception, yes. I'm not saying he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but do you think the Hall of Fame comes knocking and says, listen, <clears throat> for everything that he did, how can you not have this story in our history ingrained in our history at the Hall of Fame. That's a negative ghost rider. He'd probably get in Utah where he was uh went to school, but not in the Hall of Fame. Drew? Does he have a Pro Bowl? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah he, he does. Yeah, he has a couple Pro Bowls. He's yeah. fucking in because you want to start talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick being in the fucking Hall of Fame. Wait, 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 you great point. With exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without a Pro Bowl, then fuck, hell yeah. Because nah. of the story alone, yeah. I'm not, uh, I got, we got lots we'll go of stories in the year. NFL. Yeah, what do you think, Scott? Uh, look, there's a lot of guys that, that maybe shouldn't be in the in the Hall of Fame uh, because their numbers don't warrant it, but they, they got in after years of consideration in the, the players' category. And I think it should be... The, the NFL should do a nod when he is eligible. Um, I think it should be something that they consider. But if he doesn't get in, I, I would fully expect that later on the, play, the players vote him in that that players panel votes him in after what's happened after everything he does you know he comes back what he did in each one and then just the the comeback story yeah i mean it, it would honestly so i hate i hate the Steelers, but if ryan shazier would have come back from his it was much more horrific right but if he would have come back for that from that <laughs> and played a snap honorary type situation this is why they have Disney. ryan what do you think <laughs> First, I don't think Shazier's was much more horrific. Yes, he was paralyzed, but... Uh, we, the man we, had to learn the, how to walk again. Yeah, yes. well, so Alex, 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 so Alex Smith almost died. And he, and Not just had his the, leg cut off, he almost the, died. Yeah, yes. It was died on the table multiple Shazier, times. Yeah. You had his wife and his agent screaming at doctors that they couldn't cut his leg off. He's like, they had saws on his leg, like waiting to cut it off. Yeah. They, were, they were just being threatened to be sued if they cut it off. Because that, that was the right medical decision. Right. Would have been to remove So his Hall leg. of Fame or not? No chance whatsoever. Bad stories don't keep players out of the Hall of Fame, and good stories aren't putting them in the Hall of Fame. They might take a leg brace of his and stick it in Canton and have a, a plaque, but he <laughs> is not getting in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Okay. All right, that's fair enough, Sue. I, 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 I put that under like an honorary type situation. I, I fall. The event, maybe, but he, he will not be a Hall of Famer. I fall okay. under the Deion Sanders like logic in the sense that I feel like too many players are getting in at this point, and it's just about anybody's getting in. And Alex Smith's story doesn't go it's away. Unique. But it Deon's doesn't go dick. away. He say that about like Ray or somebody. He'd be like, he's not good enough yet. No, <laughs> my, my point is, it this story doesn't go away, whether it's in the Hall of Fame or it's not, right? Yeah. And yeah, I, the reason I brought this up is because it was an interesting debate on social media, and I wanted to see how everybody in here thought about it. And it was mixed, just like it was on social media. I think the story is a great story. I think what will encapsulate it is whenever Disney or whoever comes out with the movie to kind of dictate the story, that will happen, and that will be enough enshrinement for him. He will be talked about for generations, uh, especially, you know. Is Fred drunk? How many shots has Fred had? Just stop. (laughs) Carlozo is not having this. I did not promote (laughs) it. I was asking the question. I didn't say one way or the other. That's why I wanted to listen to what everybody else said. Bring up up Chuck's Chuck's statement here. So, and I think this kind of goes, Alex Smith wasn't coming back for an honorary play. He came back to help take the effing dumpster fire to to the division championship. 
what that that should make him a Hall of Fame candidate on principle. And I think that's what the whole point is. Again, the, that's the story. The storyline here back is to get paid. No, he came back because he wanted to to prove to himself he could. If you go listen, if you he listen, didn't have to prove he had to no, lay. Stop, to stop, 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 stop. Go he listen. Not, he was not capable to play. That's why he didn't even play in the playoffs because they didn't want him to get hurt. Um, who's he that took coach? them to Heineke? the playoffs. No, no, who's, who's Dwayne Haskins? Oh, uh, Ron Rivera. He Ron Rivera come out and said he didn't team. give a shit about him. Yeah, actually. he didn't even want him. He went there to get his fucking money, seventeen million, or get none. You're going there to get get his fucking I don't know. money. I, I don't why, agree with that. I like the guy, but he had no business. Then why, Alex, so if Alex that's Smith? True, if that's true. Then why play look, him as much as Alex, you did? Alex hey, Smith was a number. Bad. Alex Smith was a number one overall draft pick in the NFL. <laughs> All he made a shit ton oh. of money in his entire career. I don't think that was the entire was purpose a, of it. That was part I think of it. I, I, I'm not saying it wasn't part of it. Of course, you're not going go to turn down 16 million. Go back and listen to his interviews I, about the guy that the guy that was happy to have his life. That you're talking about that he wanted to prove to himself that he could come back and put his on the field and say everybody said he will never be back well, and he said to himself I'm going to put my life the best on the, the line that was the best division to pl put, play in because anywhere else he won't be playing it doesn't matter died. it's perfect James if you were in that situation I would you would play. not you would not Oh my God. <laughs> but nobody in this room, I guarantee you, if we went so, through what Alex went through, dude, nobody in this room. Can, can I finish my topic? Can I finish my topic? This, this is supposed to be the rundown. Thankfully, it was loud. But my entire point in this conversation was the Hall of Fame, right? I don't believe he'll be in the Hall of Fame. And I do think the movie thing 100% will come and that'll enshrine him. But I think another way of the NFL recognizing Alex Smith would be to change the comeback player of the year award title to the Alex, to the Smith, Alex award. Smith award. I'm totally fine with that. And I think it might happen, okay. but he's not getting the Hall of Fame. And that's my point. And I think that Alex Smith award will tell the story enough. And that's how the NFL will get around putting an Alex Smith and, in the quote unquote. And that's Hall fine. Again, I said, I said honorary type situation. My, my whole point with all of that, kind of wrapping it up was the fact that nobody in this room could come back from what Alex did and and go back to what Alex Smith was doing. No, no I, that takes that takes I, an above average human. I agree with both of you in the sense that there was part the money thing, but he made a shit ton of money so it wasn't all of it and I 100% agree with you that the majority of it was proving to himself, proving to his family that he could come back from this. So it was about money, he would be looking hey, for a contract next year. Last time I checked, they didn't give the Bo Jackson award for comeback player of the year. No rules, no boundaries, two topics, 30 seconds each. It's time for the two-minute warning. No! Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson didn't even come back. <laughs> what are we talking about he here? He came back in baseball. He came, oh, yeah, and he was God. terrible. <laughs> He's better than Matt Weeders. <laughs> oh, no. oh, Jesus. Here, Here we go. We go. Uh, All right. Can we get to the after hours already? <laughs> it's time for the two-minute warning. Who's reading the first question? I got, I got it. it. I kind of want to change it to an Alex Smith, uh, Ryan right. Fitzpatrick debate, but I won't. <laughs> uh, so what is worse, fair weather fans <laughs> or... Inside of baseball here. I wonder where this question came from. Yeah, stay tuned to the after hours. You're going to get yeah, insight where this question's come from. What's worse, fair weather fans 
or fans who say that they're fans of numerous streams, like say, oh, I'm a Cowboys and a, a Pittsburgh and a Patriots fan. No. <laughs> that shit. So... TikTok. I, I think I think the worst situation here is is fair weather fans because you're donated to one, and you, you're saying, "All right, I'm a fan of this team," but you don't support them throughout, right? Uh, the the fans the fans who are, are at different levels, I think those people are fans of the game, but maybe never they they ranked onto one player or they ranked onto you know a few players on a certain team during a certain era. So I get I I get it to an extent. I can't stand either one, the Fairweather Ryans or, <laughs> or the bandwagon fans of numerous teams. I can't stand either one. But if I had to pick one, I cannot stand the bandwagon fans that jump on the best teams every year. Yeah, I like the Yankees. Yeah, I like the, the, the Lakers. Yeah, I like the Cowboys in the 90s when they were relevant. I can't stand either one. So if I had to pick one, I would say the team's... The fans of numerous teams. Would Ohio right. State and Maryland count? <laughs> <laughs> what do you question. got, Jer- or, uh, James? Uh, he, he's Go. got, got it. Okay, Go I got it. I guess I got it. What are your thoughts on that horrible <laughs> Jake Paul beating UFC fighter Ben Askren with a TKO this weekend? Uh, exa- you, you you summed it up. Uh, horrible for everybody that wants to give Jake Paul all the praise because he's he's you know doing doing so well. Look at who he's fought. Has he fought an actual boxer? No. Ben Askren is a UFC fighter and who does was- best at grappling. For God's <laughs> sakes, he's not a fighter. He's not a striker. This is not great. Jake Paul needs to fight a real fighter if you want to see something. You won't. This was a money haul for both of these guys, and that's all it was from the very beginning. It was, uh, it was a waste of time. Was it cool to see Jake Paul knock this UFC nope. fighter out? Eh, I mean, it was kind of cool. He made him look fucking silly. He knocked his ass. It looked like Mike Tyson's knockout. Did you watch they the video up, of they it? Put him up against Mike Tyson. Mike that's, Tyson. That's what it felt like to me. It felt oh, more that'd video be a great game with fight. it. It made it. <laughs> It would be a great fight, and I'd pay to see that one. 100%. Not pay to see this uh, one. No headgear, Mike Tyson, Jake Drew, Paul. Drew, Drew, before I sign us out, Drew had one comment. Good. That was a fucking dive. The dude got paid 500k to get knocked out. Yeah. He didn't get knocked out. He took <laughs> no. He no. He did, that was all fixed, and it was all bullshit. And I'm I'm with everything your response was, but there's no way he actually knocked him out because like. 20 minutes later, he was smiling his ass off because he knew he just got 500K. In the 100%. Yeah. Exactly. He was hugging his girlfriend with Such a grin joke. ear to ear, man. Let's go to dinner, baby. That's That's right. <laughs> All right, Scott, sign us out, man. All right. We appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week here on Birdland BS. Make sure you check out our website, www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, you can check out all of our episodes. You can learn about each of us. Check out the latest Shell and Tell podcasts. They are dumping these things like crazy i think you've done what you're gonna do like three in the next week right Something i don't, those know. Lines. I don't <laughs> know how many you're doing so much going on right now you guys are getting them out there make sure you also check out the the gear page get yourself some birdland bs gear also check us out bigplay.com and birdlandsports.com don't forget next thursday draft thursday. special so if you're gonna watch the show we won't be live on tuesday we're going live 7 30 on thursday we'll put something out on twitter to remind everybody of that make sure you follow us on twitter facebook youtube instagram snapchat at birdland bs is how you find us make sure while you're there if you want us to bring up a comment on the show or a topic on the show you heard craig zeros earlier reminder make sure that you let us know that on birdland give us that topic tag our tag us tag myself tag fred we'll bring it up on the show and you can also use the hashtag, that's BLBS. That's another way to get us. Make sure you also listen to the audio version of the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts, we are there. And if we're not, let us know. We'll get there. 
Thanks for tuning in as always. We'll be back next week, not Tuesday night, as Fred just said. We'll be back next Thursday night for our draft special. However long it is, three, four, five, 12 hours. We'll Who be knows? here. We'll be here. Oh, God. <laughs> Work's going to suck on Friday. I'm spending the night, Scott. <laughs> for Fred, Ryan, James, Drew, and myself, we'll see you guys. See you.